has surrounded them from the beginning. The controversy, the outrage, the misfortune. And now, there will be no more at an event so big, so important. It will change wrestling history forever. WCW and NWO Slambury. Sunday, May 17th, live and only on pay-per-view. This month in Wrestling History 12, I'm completely put off by Zoom telling me that this month, this month, that this recording is being recorded or this call is being recorded for the first time. So that's one of the worst intros we've ever done. This month in Wrestling History 12, yes, we are a full year old, is back today for a look at World Championship Wrestling Slamboree 1998. Dan Phillips is here as usual. How are you doing today, Dan? Hello, I'm very good. Very aware this meeting's being recorded and yes. also a bit concerned that I've not heard that message before, so I'm wondering why Zoom have decided to warn people that you speak to that they're being recorded. But <laughs> thank, I'll leave everyone to, to think about that. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Quite an accusation at the start of the show there. And, and we're, uh, so this uh, this Slambury 1998 took place on Sunday, May the 17th, 1998, in front of a sellout crowd of 11,599 Five, crikey, 11,000. I've really shaken up by that recording thing. 11,592 in the WWF heartland of Worcester, Massachusetts at the Centrum. Uh, we got an eerie opening package with words in white letters at the bottom of the screen, while Savage, Heart, Sting, the Giant, and the Outsiders were shown. Power, outrage, controversy were the words, and we got shots of buildings being demolished. Shivani said it was a sellout crowd, which was commonplace with WCW. What did you make of this opening uh, and the set with the word slambery and red and black in the style of a baseball jersey? Yeah, so um, May the 17th, 98, first, first and foremost, that is my dad's birthday, May the 17th. So ah. he was 35 that year, wow. which is a bit mad. Like, you know, like, obviously, you know my dad. And I just can't imagine him being 35. <laughs> 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 I, we all, um, I was 11. At that time, just to put it in perspective. Um, and I had a little look at the, the Centrum, Worcester, Massachusetts. So this is, you said about in the Heartland stuff. I've not come across this venue of stuff before. However, I did learn that the Centrum is where Mankind won his first WWE title yeah. versus The Rock. And Worcester, Massachusetts, is the birthplace of Harvey Ball. Okay. Who is he's Harvey the designer Ball? of the smile. He's the designer of the smiley face logo. Wow. Okay. The yellow little smiley emoji. Emoji. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if he. I. I literally generally wonder. Like, has he earned money out of that? Was it? One I don't of know. I wonder, yeah. How did you invent that? But yeah, he invented that. That smiley face. That was literally their main resident from there. Um, the background is interesting. You say that. So leads me to. I've got a few questions for you. Uh, Uh-oh. Um, mainly because, you know, WCW, as I've said, it's one of the reasons we like to pick WCW ones because it's very rare that, we, we, you know, we've seen them as much. So, yes, so I actually quite like the logo, but I saw that it's the WCW-NWO joint pay-per-view. Yeah. I am sure I've asked people before, can you summarise this for me? So is it, it's the equivalent, I assume, of like, it might like DX having a joint pay-per-view with WWF. But I um, don't get it. Because yeah. my view is, NWO's salaries are paid by WCW, right? 
but yes. there's there's elements of this. Uh, well, the Million Dollar Man was like a like a benefactor that who was who was um, kind of uh, bankroll in the NWO. That was that was earlier in the storyline. Um, but there's yeah, elements yeah. of this where they make it a bit of a WCW NWO. They touch upon it once, uh, from, from from which I'll get to later. But what was the whole situation with this joint event thing? Did it, like, like um, I don't understand. Why was it just not WCW Slambury? Why did the NWO even need to be there? Joe, what? I'm not going to. I'm I, not very good. Sorry, go on. Continue your. Well, I'm uh, just saying. I just don't. I just find it. I just. There's, there's an, I have a few. No, I'd heard of NWO. That's the one thing you did hear from WCW. And it's also the one thing that you knew was DC and WCW. And, you know, did I like WCW? No. Did I used to say for life? Yes. No, no. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, Hulk Hogan went there. So for me, you know, I paid a little bit of attention, but to NWO, but I just, the whole joint event thing just baffles me a little bit. I don't understand why. Why? So I just don't know why. This <laughs> this started um oh, at the sold out 1998 show, which was which was kind of an NWO show, really. Um and basically um so actually sorry, sold out ninety-seven was solely promoted by NWO in terms of the banners. Sold out ninety-eight was jointly uh, you know in terms of the promotion and posts, et cetera. Um, and the pay-per-views until the following years uncensored were jointly produced by WCW and NWO. So I guess, I, do you know what, I, don't, I couldn't tell you exactly where they were in the storyline here because obviously we've got two, two different NWOs in this, one that appeared to be a babyface. Yeah, baby face a question later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, there's also something about the music that I didn't, I didn't know because, again, at this time, I, my, my, my years of watching WCW probably more religiously were probably 96 and 97, um, and by this time, I was I was diehard WWF, and I watched some of this stuff, but we didn't get the pay per views here, so it's difficult to connect some of the dots. But I think all this was about was you know NWA were uh, NWO were um, you know obviously a, a popular group, big part of the storylines, and I think they just sh- showed that in the promotional material to show kind of the you know the ongoing battle, show the kind of cooler side of the NWO within the within the posters. And I think that's that's all it really was, really, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like the logo. That was my thing. And then the other thing that was quite pleasing was Shivani, Tanay, Heenan. Yes. Good solid free lineup. Um, I mentioned, I think, on here previously. Um, but when you've got free, so I think I said, yeah, I think last month, whatever, AEW have free nice commentators, should we say? Yeah. And it's beginning to grate on me. Um, I didn't think Tene barely, barely spoke, to be honest, in this. But Heenan, I thought Heenan was really understated as well, actually. He wasn't... I, so well, I personally... He, I picked up on so many little quips, he said. So you... Okay, I, I haven't honest, got as much from him there's some bits. There's some bits in this in this pay-per-view that I was like... Uh, you've made like, I was proper laughing. Okay, okay. <laughs> and it, and it just goes back to my... Goes back to my just goes back to my view of... I just think you need that hill commentator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, uh, you know, and it's another one. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we we discussed do you or don't you with AEW and stuff. And then I watched this, and I'm like, oh, it's really added to it. To me, it really added to it. Yeah, having the hill there rather than just everyone blowing smoke up everyone's backside. So, yeah, I was happy with that as well. Seeing the, seeing them, seeing up like what was probably be the WCW A team, should we say? 
Yeah, Shivani said that it was going to be the first time that Bret Hart and Randy Savage fought on pay-per-view and Roddy Piper would be the special guest referee. Randy had previously fought Bret twice in singles matches. The first I watched fairly recently, which was from a Saturday night's main event bout from November 1987, which involved a big follow-up angle with the forming of the Mega Powers. Um, and these two also tangled at a house show in South Bend, Indiana in March 1990. Um, Shivani was joined by Heenan and Mike Snow on commentary, as we've said, and Tony said that Scott Hall had not yet turned up for his main event tag team match with Nash versus Sting and the Giant. They then went on to discuss the Eric Bischoff challenge to Vince McMahon and cut back to Bischoff from Thunder the previous Thursday. And this was in response to DX invasion of Nitro a few weeks earlier. Bischoff read out a letter that had been sent from the WWF lawyer, Jerry McDivitt, stating that McMahon would not be there. Bischoff reiterated his challenge in spite of not expecting Vince to arrive. They then showed Doug Dillinger, who was waiting outside as promised for McMahon to escort him inside. There were some fans, one with a sign that read McMahon McSucks, as Dillinger looked up and down the street for Vince, who obviously wasn't going to be there. Um, what did you make of this Vince and Bischoff stuff up to this point in the show and how they kind of set the scene for this? Yeah, so obviously I've done the open invite. Um I thought it was the music, so I'm watching it and thinking, he's never going to this. Uh, he's never going to go there. Um, but it was really pushed. And like you had, like, I wonder, like, I wonder, did, we don't know, obviously, you can't go back in time, but I wonder, did, did people think he was actually going to arrive? Um, uh, and judging by this pay-per-view buy rate, I'd say no. <laughs> um, and I also, you know, what would be in it for Vince? Nothing. Nothing. Literally yeah. nothing at all. Um, and then obviously they had like fans there cheering and all this. Uh, one fan was dressed as a ref. Which, uh, <laughs> I thought was a bit of a strange thing to go as, but you've been to a lot of events. I'm guessing. Um, I'm guessing that sort of people do that and think they're quite funny. And actually remember too like, many re- I guess yeah. a few referees I must have seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, 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 they really pushed it. So I was a bit like, okay, all right, we're going with this. How are you going to, there needs to be, I was intrigued to see how they concluded it. Right. You know right I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. I wondered, is it just going to be a, we invited him down, he's not coming and we wouldn't hear again. But we did. Oh, but, we yeah. did a lot, didn't we? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to get to get too far ahead. I I dislike this more and more as the show went on, but we'll get we'll get to that in, yeah. in due course. I agree. I agree. Um so yeah, I mean what if you're if you spend your if one of your hobbies is um is looking back on old shows, uh old wrestling shows and reviewing them, there's probably one face that could pop up on screen in the first first entrance of the first match that would grate on you more than any other. And first up, we've got Chris Benoit challenging Fit Finlay for the WCW World Television title. Today, the stature of the World Television title had really grown in the last 18 months or so, given how popular wrestling on television had become. Shivani said that Finlay would... I can't, why am I calling him Finlay? Finlay. Finley, Finley. Finlay was a mountain climber, a skier, a rugby and soccer player, as tough as they come. Is, I guess, is skiing a particularly tough sport i mean it's it's hard on your body but i wouldn't exactly mean you know, I mean, suppose like endurance but yeah i mean I, i've got that they said <laughs> he played rugby soccer and european football oh is that okay okay i didn't catch european i've, I've written um, soccer down yeah and 
I had a look and I was like, I'm thinking, played European soccer? So I'm having a look to see if the geezers had trials with Juventus or Real Madrid or Inter Milan, etc. But um, given he started wrestling at 16, unless he's done the whole uh, trials for them yeah, when, uh, when I was a kid, not quite sure which European football team, unless he was talking about the European, um, you know, like when they'd done the, NFL in Europe. Oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. But I did notice he went, he played rugby, soccer, pause with it, and European football. Like, <laughs> yeah, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to big him up. But, uh, yeah, that doesn't quite work. No. But, yeah, just clarify, Fit Finley did not did not play for any of the... Fit Finlay, you mean? Um, Finlay, yeah. Benoit hit a blatant chair shot on Finlay after Finlay had introduced it into the match, but this did not result in a DQ. Then in a moment that made me wince almost out of my skin, Benoit went for a suicide dive and Finlay held the chair up and Benoit's head smashed straight into it. Just about as grim a spot as you could possibly imagine. Uh, Benoit went up to the top rope for the headbutt, but Booker T walked out and distracted him. Um, Benoit then went to the outside, which led to a kick in the back of the head through the ropes by Finlay. Benoit briefly rallied with a small package for a near fall, but Fit eventually got the 1-2-3 in 1453. And it's tough for me to say to people that I think they should watch a Chris Benoit match, but taking that out of it, if you really can, I would say this was only okay. Crowd was into it, uh, but I thought even at just under 15 minutes, it dragged a bit. In addition, the dive on the chair was just horrible. What did you make of this opener? Yeah, so um, see Benoit walk out and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, this, was Steve's, this was Steve's choice. So I'm not going yeah. to um, I learned, obviously, when I was researching which European elite <laughs> Finley may have played for. I found out that he's David Finley's dad. Oh, did you not know that? Um, I did not know that. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a new viewer of New Japan, which I've covered in the podcast, and as, as Steve pointed out off air, I've, I've merchandised that now. Um, I was quite, I was, I was like, oh, okay. I texted yeah. you, I think, when I found out. Um, I just, you know, for anyone, you know, again, I'm not, plugging it again but David Finley when I first started watching New Japan however many months ago now was I would have viewed as like a and he probably still is a mid-carder I'd say yeah. but then he had a great match knocking Jay White out of yes, the cup yes New Japan cup yes and yeah. I'm talking a proper amazing match yeah and then he went and won the tag impact tag titles and I think he could be a 2022 I think right now I've mentioned his name. People might be going, "Ooh, give it!" I, I wouldn't be surprised if you give it a year and you, people might know who this fella is. Yeah, um, he's certainly going to be pushed, I think, by Japan. Well, um, if he can get back in there, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but with these guys, um, you know, two blokes, proper wrestling, slams, holds. With these two as well, the holds we discussed before about submission holds and holds, and you're like, "Oh, what's not doing anything." These guys, particularly Benoit, when he does a hold, it looks like it hurts. Yeah. It looks effective. It looks... When he's holding for ages, I'm like, I get why you're doing it. That looks like he's actually tiring the bloke out, not that just like giving him a cuddle or whatever. Hmm. Um, I, I, Finley's a weird one. So I, I, when I saw Finley walk out, I used to find Finley, WWF-wise, very dull. Um, but I think as I've got older and I watch these things back, I appreciate, I now appreciate his ability. Yeah. I now appreciate actually he's very good, but maybe he didn't have the pizzazz and all that. And obviously in WWF, he comes out as your stereotypical Irishman. He's then got a little leprechaun knocking about with him. 
<laughs> in in Hornswoggle. Do you know what I mean? If it comes yeah. to it. Um, the commentator mentioned he had a Larry Bird hairstyle. I just, I checked Google. And for those that know who Larry Bird is, I can confirm he does have a Larry Bird hairstyle. Um, and you mentioned about that chair shot. Why was that not disqualification? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, not, that's 1990. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I noticed a few of the crowd in this one as well. There's a few, few had masks on. There was about four blokes at the front had like the Andre the Giant. Um, yeah, one, uh, one arm singlet, basically. Yeah, yeah. which yeah, I just thought. I, I, I have found why, when we've done these things that the WCW crowd are clearly a lot more inebriated than any WWE crowd. <laughs> I think you have to be to watch they, late 90s WCW, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the other thing for me is, again, Benoit's on top, gets distracted by Booker T. What, why? Why? If Booker T had ran in the ring, yeah, be distracted. Yeah, I agree. He's just walked out. He's just watching. He stopped still and uh, Drew McIntyre did that at WrestleMania. Yeah. That just gone, he's on top, going to win the belt. And just just stop still because MVP shouted at him. Yeah, I sorry, agree. what? You were in the biggest match of your life, and you just like go, "What's that?" Sorry, I'm just about to do a finisher. Oh, <laughs> he's got me. Um, and um, I thought Finley's tombstone was good, but I tell you what, I watched that back a couple of times. You're an inch away from a Stone Cold Steve Austin one yeah. there. I tell you, that was very close to the yeah. top of them. To the point where I was like, oh, that looks devastating. And you look, and look, maybe that's, I mean, maybe it's a testament to him. But I, I actually was like, oh, I don't Wins know. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I put it was all right. Um, mm. For an opener, actually, for an opener, it's a, it's a title, early doors title match. Um, I assume that the TV title's um, a weird one because, uh, Obviously, that, I just now think of Mid-South with that because if WWE yeah. actually never really had that. No. Um, I think it's good. They've opened up with a title match. Two guys at good ability. So, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Dave gave this 3.25 stars and said that yeah. the crowd was stunned that Finlay, who no, he said nobody knew, could beat Benoit. Um, I thought it was quite over in this. Um, we then got a shot of Chris, ba- Chris Jericho backstage in the WCW Wrestling Hotline. And then uh, next up was Brian Adams versus Lex Luger. I always really liked the Luger WCW theme that he was using around this time, though I did not have high hopes for this match. Adams hit a horrible looking pile driver three minutes into this one where he didn't quite land right, but it seemed Luger was okay. Um, and this didn't go on much longer and ultimately ended in five minutes and five seconds with a torture rack win by Lex. Complete skip. Meltzer said it could have been worse, half a star. What do you think of Luger versus Adams here? Um, I was enjoying the bit before with Jericho because they went back to their internet location. Yes, yeah. Which was in yeah. There. And the guy on the right, when they were talking, he was tapping away on the keyboard. <laughs> he was just tapping away on the keyboard, looking to his left, like looking up, looking around. Brilliant, brilliant bit of acting. Um, yeah, I mean, I've put skip. I mean... Brian Adams' crush. Again, I don't really know these. these yes, yeah. I've just put here, was that a big move? Was that big? What, the torture rack or the... No, Brian Adams going there. Oh. Um, was that big? Do you know what? I, I mean, he he was... he was. I mean, this is this is years after he was in Demolition. Um, and he was obviously... He, he obviously had the babyface run, like Hawaii crush. 
And then you had what um, the the one the guy feuding with Randy Savage. Then I suppose after that it was like it was like Nation Domination and Disciples Apocalypse. But no, I don't think this this registered at all, really. And I'm quite surprised no, that WWE okay, spent any enough. money on him. Um, That's what I was going to ask. So because yeah. he probably he probably still um, commanded, I guess. I don't know what the word is. I bet he was being paid a, a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, a ridiculous amount of money yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah. Big um, Luger comes out looking like a bodybuilder. And also looking now like people that were bodybuilders. I mean, when you see him on these documentaries now, it's quite depressing. Isn't it? Yes, I mean, yeah. An absolute. I mean, God knows how. I mean, bodybuilders get get their get to that physique a certain way. I'm pretty sure Lex the same. Um, Adams was with Virgil. I was going to ask you with Virgil. He's in a lot of these this month of wrestling histories. Yeah. Do you view him as a wrestler or a valet? Um... He never fights. I mean, his most fa- yeah. I mean, his most famous ever role was was the you know the million dollar man's you know valet, whatever you want to call him, basically. Um, so yeah, I, d- I don't really see him as a. I mean, he had a bit of a run after that, and he had some famous. He had a WrestleMania match with Ted, and also SummerSlam in what ninety one. But that was his most famous run, and after that, he was very you know he was, he was kind of uh, more sort of glorified enhancement talent in the WWF, and I, I think he was yeah. maybe he was popular with. Hogan or someone, and he was always sort of seemed seemed to be around. Yeah, just um, yeah. The last thing was this was actually the the only time I noticed that they mentioned. Um, so they said Lex Luger is WCW for life. He's a true blue. Yeah, this is the only time they mentioned. I think were that this was a he's WCW not in WO. Right, right. So I think okay. Brian Adams was in WO. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's the only. So so I noted here, and I'd started making a score. Okay. Thinking how they're going to think. I uh, didn't add anything to the score. Because the only one. This is the yeah, only yeah. time I mentioned it, yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I put a win for WCW. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, the only other thing I'll say, do you think the torture act hurts? Um, well, not, no, not the way he put the, it on. I mean, the, I suppose it's probably na- a way he name, could do it. It's a great name for a finisher, isn't it? Yeah. As in, what, like, oh, God, God he's hitting you with a torture act. Wow. And then you see it and go, that, that's the torture rack, is it? You're lying uh, on your shoulders, okay. basically. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It looks. It looks. I mean, I've I've been to actually. Am I going to word this nicely? Massage parlors where I quite like them to do that to me. So. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Crikey. They must be strong masseuses uh, to get in that. They position. are. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Saturn was backstage and he said there was there would be no gauntlet match tonight. And if anyone in the flock didn't like it, they knew what dressing room would be in. The same one as them. He said all he's heard is about Raven. But what about him? He starts with Goldberg tonight and it's his chance to be the US champion. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. Not even Raven. I thought this was decent from Saturn here. What did you think of this little promo? Yeah, I, that's interesting. Because I was, when I wrote this down, I'll pull, I've actually put a note that I thought you might like sort of just over... Just go past it. Just this. get past it, yeah. Yeah. But I thought it was really good. To be honest, it was yeah, the end. I was like, I was good. It was good, actually. Go. Yeah. It was like in the dark. It was like yeah. in the dark. And I was like, yeah, this guy's the real deal here. Yeah, um, I thought it was good. Obviously, I knew he was facing Goldberg. So, therefore, I was sort of, you know, without spoiler alert, but knew, knew that he probably yeah. didn't have much chance. Is the streak going to end at the hands of Perry Saturn? I wouldn't think. I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
next up, there's a cruiserweight battle royal for a shot at Chris Jericho's title. Um, and basically, in this, you can win by pinfall or, or basically over the top rope, normal um, battle royal rules. Jericho came out and interrupted the ring announcer. We now switched to the May 25th, 1998 Wrestling Observer. Dave Meltzer said the best part of this match with the ring introductions is Jericho ran Dave Penzer off. Jericho was hilarious. Billing Chavo Guerrero Jr. from El Paso, Mexico, said he used to be a great bartender, but it didn't translate to his wrestling skill. He said, if you need a hubcap, the psychosis will procure one for you. He said Damien painted his face because he couldn't afford a mask. Called Dandy the winner of the Lou Ferrigno lookalike contest called Juventud Guerrero the ugliest man in our sport today and claimed to have never heard of Johnny Swinger and said that he had a zero out of 10 chance of winning. I thought Jericho, and I didn't do that justice, but Jericho was phenomenal here. What did you think of his uh, pre-match I mean, promo? I mean, I think you know that I was going to love that. Uh, you know, it, it, put this way, he opens up, he goes, I'm going to do the intros for the Jericho-holics. I'm watching this however many years later, guys. That's me. That's me. He's <laughs> doing this for me. I'm a Jericho-holic. Um, I mean, first up, they all seem like they all seem like they're from Mexico. <laughs> Literally, everyone. There was there was some where I was like, one guy he went, don't even know this guy's name. He has literally no chance. Yeah, Johnny Swinger. <laughs> <laughs> that. And like, even like the first person to come out, I can't remember. He was like, yeah, come out. Probably two out of ten, two out of ten chance. I was at. Oh, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I tell you what, one thing I go, Marty Janetti come out. Oh yeah. Like, oh my gosh, looked like it was really depressing. Like. He looked like he, he, he had, so you're an older guy, you're coming out, you're looking as you do. He was in like a sort of a multicoloured sort of leotard. Uh, it was actually quite, it was like, you know, like, they're like oh, should we wheel him out? Wheel him out. Like it was, yeah, it, that was quite, that's the only bit I didn't like because I felt it was quite sad. How old do uh, you think Janetti was there? I mean, he looked atrocious, but 40 seven <laughs> wow i mean the, perhaps that he was he was born in uh, columbus georgia perhaps the toughest paper round of all janetti was 38 for this oh appearance. that's madness yeah that he is like he likes a party right, just to clarify i've done this match as a skip but that, just watch the intro i put a little side to watch the intro but i would like people to have a little look and see if they've been that guy's 38 yeah i mean that he's i think he won top party boy for for probably six consecutive years in the wrf and i think that's that's wow. what when you're going out 270 nights a year i think that's probably what happens unbelievable to, yeah. but yeah. yeah i mean i i love the i love i love i love the uh, entrances um and actually it goes to heenan who says i don't even care about the matches i just like the introduction yeah, it was really good. Uh, to it, to which, I don't know if you've got this little bit about Heenan here. No, I haven't because my says, laptop crashed during this. So uh, Heenan on, yeah. said, I don't even care about the matches. I'd start the intro and uh, Shivani went, oh, come on, you've got, you've got to be kidding me. And Heenan went, no, it's Kidman. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a basic little like sort of like two Ronnie sort of sketch. Yeah. But it's happening in bits. <laughs> This was good stuff. Unfortunately, my laptop actually crashed during this match. So I was more concerned about the potential death of my MacBook than I was watching this. So, and I didn't go, I didn't go, I couldn't. Sorry, I draw the line at going back and re-watching re, re um, a Cruiserweight Battle Royal. And um, so I thought this seemed pretty standard from what I saw of it prior to the finish. And the last two men were Juventud Guerrero and, and Cyclope. And before we get on to what happened next, do you have anything to add on the Battle Royal up to this point? So I did the opposite and I actually... I went on a dog walk this evening and, 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 and uh, 
had a little watch of it again. Oh, wow. Because uh, <laughs> I wasn't really massively... <clears throat> good right, there's so much going on in the ring. I mean, they're saying you could, you could win by throwing them over the rope or pinning them. There's a ref in the ring. I mean, it, it was madness mm. um, how you'd ever pin anyone. I've got a few little, you know, things in here. I mean, so it's for the Cruiserweight, which, again, I always like to comparison. So I would have viewed that as like the WWF European. Light heavyweight. See, I don't remember that. Light heavyweight. Yeah. When did, was that um, around in a... 90... European. European, I'm looking at X-Pac and I'm thinking of people like that. Yeah, well, this light was... Light heavyweight. Like... Give me a, yeah. a light heavyweight. Well, it was Takamichinoku was in like 97, right. 98. So, so yeah. I'm thinking that was a belt that you would have seen like Heat. Brian Christopher, that sort of that sort of crew. It wasn't, I, I think X-Pac had it at some point actually. But would um, that be like defended on like Heat? Yeah, I guess so. And it was it was around at the start of the invasion because they did a, uh, they, they unified it, I think at one point. Um, and they brought it back. The, it stayed around for some time actually after that. Um, as I think they called it the cruiserweight. Uh, did they call it the cruiserweight? I can't remember. Um, but they, it was it was at WrestleMania 20, for example, in like a bat, like a gauntlet style battle yeah. royal. So yeah, it was around for a while, and it's in it's in it's it was re, it was brought back again uh, in relatively recent times, um, and now it's an NXT title. I mean, to be honest, I've made a note to myself to say, I think maybe at the time I just I just preferred heavyweights. Yeah, like yeah. just what it just didn't interest me. Um, but Hoover this wasn't a good representation other. of this division. No, I know. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, Hoover Toon is someone that I'd already heard of a lot. <laughs> I, I actually sort of put a bit of, sort of ignorance on there. I never really knew him. I, I always just assumed, I assumed he was always Hoover Toon Guerrero. <laughs> so oh, okay. Yeah. This, is where I've le- this is where I learned that he wasn't related to the, the Guerreros, uh, I found out. Um, was, was, he, was he any good? Hoover Toon was good, yeah. Hoover Toon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't really make too many notes about the match. If you're going to cover the ending now, yeah. But the, the match, really, I mean, they just get thrown out every so often. Yeah. It really isn't anything. Nothing special. Like no. Um, too so, many there. It's too many there. Yeah, I agree. So Hooventude and Cyclope were basically stood face to face for what felt like an absolute eternity. Uh, they then shook hands, and Hooventude jumped over the top rope and eliminated himself. Cyclope then unmasked revealed Dean Malenko, who had not appeared on television since the uncensored 1998 pay-per-view after a loss to Jericho when he told Gene Oakland afterwards that he was going home. The unmasking got a great reaction from the crowd as Malenko turned round and Jericho was in there with the belt around his waist and they started at 100 miles an hour as the bell rang and the crowd looked on on their feet. A child in an Austin 316 t-shirt in the front row tried to pat Malenko on the back on the outside. And Dean was clearly as aggravated as I was at him wearing this t-shirt to a WCW event, let alone sitting front row ringside. And Dean brushed him off. Quite right too. Big Jericho sucks chance during this. And while they were into it, the crowd were into certain things. They didn't bite at all on the lion salt near fall. Uh, Malenko worked the whole match in his Cyclope outfit which was basically a free orange and black shell suit style um, costume, which looked like a license for horrific sweat. There was a big gut buster off the top rope from Malenko, then the Texas Cloverleaf. Jericho reached for the ropes, Malenko dragged him back, and Jericho tapped out to a great reaction and a new WCW Cruiserweight champion in seven minutes and two seconds. Um, I guess with the angle, this probably just about gets into, to, I've put must watch category. I'm not sure about that. 
recommend category. I don't know why I've, 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 I think I meant recommend. Um, although the match itself, I thought was slightly underwhelming. Another one, again, I, I thought the opener was a little bit underwhelming for who was in it. And I thought this one was as well. And um, Mr. Meltzer gave it 3.25 stars. What did you think of this uh, post kind of the end of the battle royal finish and then the aftermath? Yeah, I agree with the rating that Mr. Meltzer's given it. I would make it recommend rather it's all right though, because it's obviously got a bit of story behind yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've just put it in, you described the outfit, I've just put Hooven Tude was left with the bloke dressed as a pumpkin. <laughs> um, That's a good shout, yeah. Dick Lepay is obviously an actual wrestler, right? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I'll have a I look. I think he was. He must um, have been at some so point. Sorry, I'm sure someone's Hoover used that. Why did he eliminate himself? I think the idea was that... Um, that he was mates with Malenkoni. Yeah, yeah, short. absolutely. Yeah, so um, Cyclope, there's a guy who's also known as, as Halloween who used that, um, he used uh, that uh, in Mexico, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah he, I, I think mean, he'd been involved, he was involved in WCW as well. Um, so there yeah. was a wrestler, sorry, yeah, I've done a bad job of that. There was a wrestler called Cyclope yeah, who'd been in okay. WCW, so he's, t- he's taken off that gimmick, basically. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Fair play. I, w- I would say one thing, actually. You see, you, you often see these things where someone sort of disguises himself, you know, like in a mask or tries to be someone else. And, you know, you go, it's obviously not that person. Yeah. But I guess in the cruiserweight division, it works, doesn't it? Cause well, especially with that the, outfit, you're all, yeah. You're all the same, and you're all the same size. Yeah. yeah. Everyone was pretty much the same size, weren't they? Um, and you said, as you said, it's an all-in-one. Um, I always just assumed Dean Malenko was sort of like Mexican or something, but his real name's Dean Simon. Okay, Tre- Trevor Which, Simon's. Uh, who's Trevor Simon? Is that uh, be like going live? Or just this is beyond before your time. Isn't Trevor it? Simon is no. I know who you're talking about Trevor Simon. Who is Trevor? Probably Simon? Probably hosts Radio Two now. Someone like that. Oh, uh, I'm thinking. Was it Trevor and Simon? Trevor and Simon. Trevor and Simon. Trevor and yeah. Simon. Yeah, sorry, not Trevor Simon. But Maneko's real name's Dean Simon, and yeah, he's got no, just a normal American dude. Um, yeah, I, I thought, uh, to be fair, like, I like bits of the match. Like Jericho absorbed sort of the initial beat down, then he's on top. Um, you got the fans singing Jericho sucks. Uh, you know, I was thinking, like, you must be, you know, you're a heel, don't you? When everyone's saying, yeah, you suck and stuff. I was even looking the other day, um, I was watching an old, you know, you said earlier on about if you're someone that, goes and watches old events as you know when I'm sort of a, a bit of a loose end I'll just whack an old event on and Kurt Angle coming out and I always remember at the time whenever I would say you suck I used to think god he must hate that like I must get back and be like this is rubbish but as I obviously got older I'm like he must love that because yeah. he's like look what I've done I've made you like that that's my job I've just done my job and like they're saying Jericho sucks as for yeah you know you've, you've done well um I really like Malenko's uh, fireman's carry on onto the knee from the top rope. Then he's Texas Cloverleaf. I thought it was a very good ending, actually. Um, sort of, I thought assumed he was always going to win. Um, and I'd imagine if you were a fan and you were in into that story, that was that was. I mean, the crowd loved it. And I'd imagine at the time, if you'd been following the whole story, that must have been wicked. Yeah, like when I he agree. revealed it was him. I'd imagine that was a proper, oh my God. See, for me, I was like, oh, Steve Malenko. But yeah. I didn't know. And, and actually, I, I mentioned this uh, later on, but I was just saying now. But I go, oh, no, actually, yeah. Because I guess for that, they can't really, they couldn't have done a 
They couldn't have done a montage leading up to it. No, no, no. You can't. No. So actually, yeah. So 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 therefore, really, you have to be a follower of WCW to, for that to pop. Yes. As much yeah. as it did. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I, yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it. I'd have it as a recommend just for the... It's got Jericho in it and two good stars and... Yeah. yeah, I would. I think the whole the whole thing was a recommend here. Um, so the cage, complete with roof, um, then started lowering for the Bowery Death Match, which was basically being fought under last man standing rules between Raven and Diamond Dallas Page. Shivani then said we were switching to the Vinnie Mac cam, and a graphic on the right of the screen read that as from a helicopter they showed a white limousine showing up. And I wonder how much that helicopter cost for what was barely 15 seconds of footage. I'm pretty sure this was pre-drones being available for like 50 quid on Amazon. So I'm sure they, they got a helicopter for this, which is just an absolute joke. Um, Shivani speculated that wrestlers often travelled by limo, but most of the wrestlers were already inside. Um, Doug Dillinger was then shown investigating as Heenan, who was a little... I, I've said this earlier on. I thought it was a little bit understated, but still with some good lines. Um, so he basically said, yes, Doug, that is a car, which made me laugh when uh, Dillinger was standing outside looking at it. Tony then included a dig at good old JR, saying that if Jim Ross jumps out carrying some bags and you know it's Vince in the car... Tony said they're not going to waste any more time as that must not be him. What did you think of this second McMahon uh, you know, segment on here? He didn't open up with, right, times for bums are us. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, bum I mean, is an yeah. expression for, you know, like yeah, a yeah. boxing uh, compatible. Yeah. It's got no, no chance base, isn't it? Yeah, so. since he put times for bums are us, I love that. Yeah, Doug, that's, that's a car. Well, he's just going to check outside. <laughs> really like that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I text you. Uh, I had to text you when I watched about Shivani saying if JR jumps out with the bags, you know it's Vince. I just, as again, as someone who watches AEW, that's I find that quite funny that yeah. JR probably never even heard that or get care, but that is absolutely. I, I sort of felt like as soon as I listened to it, like, is there a way I can sort of snip that out and like tweet it to <laughs> JR and Tony Shivani and see if I can get a see if I can get a reaction of them, like, because I think that might be my uh, my uh, aim of boredom over if I, if I get any time over the next few weeks to try and I think Jim would have been aware of this out. and I think uh, there was real life problems between these two at the time um, yeah, from, from them um, working to him in WCW earlier but yeah I mean I thought he was, was good here and, and again it's another segment we discussed earlier that like, again like, again I'm going okay focusing a bit more on this Vince turning up yeah. how are you going to what are you going to do with this like where are you going to play this yeah, there's, uh, there's no satisfactory way out of it and that's the problem that's why I just don't believe you should do uh, if you haven't got that satisfactory way out don't do it um, unfortunately, Diamond Dallas Page's uh, very much rip-off of Smells Like Teen Spirit music did not live on the network, so you couldn't really probably make out how much of a pop he got here because they'd fiddled with the sound. And Dallas climbed directly on top of the cage, which is not something I would be able to do, perhaps at all, and certainly not as gracefully as Page, and it's certainly not something I'd be doing before a fight in terms of wearing your arms out by climbing on top of a cage. Tanae said that the response from the crowd proved that DDP remained the people's champion. And Raven was out with some security with four men wearing COVID-era face visors connected to their helmets. No music for Raven. Heenan started to sing along to the theme tune uh, to the 90s show Cops, which was funny. Um, and basically, these goofs are called the Riot Squad. Um, the bell rang to almost silence when Raven got in there. And it's clear that it was going to be very difficult to see inside of this cage on the hard camera due to the nature of the chain link. We also had weapons displayed in various spots on the inside of the cage, as well as include, including a couple of garbage cans full of other items. 
in a move that made me go, ugh, DDP tried to hang Raven with a noose hanging from the middle of the cage. Um, that resulted in the first near fall, so to speak, in the form of an eight count. Raven made it to his feet before he was blasted over the head with a VCR, which Shivani said was a first in the sport. And this was really awful. And I found myself yawning as Shivani talks about Raven mashing down the sides of a garbage can to make it harder. Raven then hit DDP with a cookie sheet and then forearmed him directly into the balls. They bumped the referee in the corner of the ring as DDP tried to get out of a sleeper and cue a load of interference shortly thereafter with Raven's flock, Scotty Riggs, Reese and Sick Boy. As they were trying to get in, Van Hammer came out from under the ring and made the save with the big road sign. DDP came back to life in ring, but then the riot squad got in there, which was Kidman and Horace Boulder. This was just terrible, an overbooked mess, which eventually ended in 14 minutes and 35 excruciating seconds after Page hit diamond cuts on the flop members. Raven then hit him with a fire extinguisher, but Page got up, followed by a diamond cutter on Page by Raven, which Page got up again from. Page then hit his own diamond cutter, and then thankfully that was it. A firm and complete skip from me. Two and a half stars from Meltz, which was generous. Post-match, there was some additional nonsense involving the SWAT team, which I'm not even going to bother to recap. What did you make of this absolute steaming WCW turd? Recommend. No, what a mess. <laughs> Five um, stars. So it was a, it was a Bowery death match. Yes. So I can only assume the difference. So Bowery's an area of New York, my understanding. I assume not a pleasant area of New York. Is that right? Um, yep. Okay. If you want to doubt me, mate, please knock it. No, I just if thought... You want, I if you want to doubt me, we can like have a Bowery a... deathmatch. Yeah, the um, Bowery is a street and neighbourhood in the southern portion of New York City, borough of Manhattan. I always yeah. thought Bowery was like a, um, like out in the country, but I'm uh, obviously yeah. completely wrong about that, yeah. It's like, it's like a Croydon deathmatch for us. <laughs> uh, which I assume all it is is it's a cage match, and that's why, that's why the items are in the ring. Croydon deathmatch. That's start, the difference. You start in the you start yeah. in Tiger Tiger and you have to try and make it upstairs yeah. into the Blue Orchid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to just try and get in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the death, yeah, the death, yeah. So I assume that's why that's the difference between a cage match and a barrel death match is just there was weapons in there, which is why they were there. Yeah, and the rule. Uh, so the so the last man standing rules comes from a Texas death match, which is yes, get your feet after ten counts. Yeah. That's there where, um, where that comes in. I, I put on here. We we we've discussed this off, uh, but it's interesting. You know, people. what are your views on death matches? Oh, um, what death match? Death real death matches or things are well anything that's called death match. What are your views? Number one, number two. Have you ever seen one? Because I know your your view is yuck, but have you ever seen one? You've gone actually. I quite like that. Not a not a proper death. I mean, again, I, I can't. You know, I haven't seen very many death matches, so I can't, um, you know, I can't cast aspersions when I've not seen, um, you know, I'd really need to see some of the absolute best stuff. I did I did use some of Big Japan uh, pro wrestling tape full of death matches with various weird and wonderful um, stipulations I didn't particularly enjoy, but then that probably was because the, the standard of work was bad. In terms of last man standing matches, I, I just like simple one-on-one wrestling with near falls and i find it a bit difficult ladder matches things like that cage matches to escape the rules um anything that hasn't got a, a near fall like a proper near fall that that drama there had i'm sure there's some, been some good last man standing matches and I, and I can probably think over the years of stuff that i've you know enjoyed but i wouldn't 
at those sort of steps is never something that really that bit that being said about death matches uh, like a um you know, the, the first Hell in a Cell between Michaels and Undertaker was an absolute bloodbath. And I suppose, I mean, I guess that's not a million miles away from yeah. a death match per se. Um, and there have been some, you know, the street fight with, with Triple H and McFoley at Raw Rumble 2000. Again, you know, you know, you're, you're, they're hardcore oh, yes. matches in a different form. So there have been stuff like that that I enjoyed. And actually, Moxie and Omega was really good until the, the terrible finish. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not WWE don't it. really do death matches, do they? But Jimmy not, not in the last. Don't, they don't like to call it that. Not in the last 50. They never really, I don't think they've ever called it a death match, but they don't, they don't yeah. do as much blood since they went uh, yeah. PG in 2008. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. prior to that, it was quite a blood. I mean, I remember Flair and Foley at SummerSlam, like an absolute horrible bloodbath, basically. Oh, yeah. Like the um, hardcore title was like yeah. my favorite belt. Um, but I, I never come across the term death match yeah, until, yeah. until recently. Um, and I've learned a lot through, through Mark, and who uh, comes on here if you I mean, I mean, I guess for me, um, when you talk about so, so always, I just watched finished watching Dark Side of the Ring with Nick Gage. Oh yeah, and obviously, you know, that's what that guy does. And and uh, and you look at these death matches, uh, uh, I mean, they're harrowing mm. stuff. And and people go, oh, wrestling's not real, whatever. Okay, fine. They might determine who the winner is, right? But in a death match, I mean, okay. I'll tell you what, it's pretty real when, real when you've got these like light, you know, yeah. the light tubes and all that. Oh, man, come on. And, you know, obviously they cover about David Arquette and catching the bane in his ex. I mean, on stipulations, I mean, cage matches and ladder matches are particularly cage matches. I think I said before, are actually some of my favourites um, until Phil and Terry pointed out that actually leaving a cage means you're a bit of a wimp, which is sort of <laughs> done me in a little bit there. I'm not a massive fan of last man standing matches, um, mainly because, and I don't also don't like really like I quit matches, because mm. mainly because my view is last man standing. I quit. These guys get up from everything. Yeah. Like, like I'm always I'm always just watching them going. What's going to make you quit? And if it does make you quit, I'm always like, yeah, really? That's what's made you quit? Or you know, last man standing. You stayed down for ten for that. Like, like I've seen yeah, some, yeah. I've seen some of these um, last man stand. What I was watching something the other day where it doesn't say. I think the uh, what was it? I can't remember, where they wrapped, he got wrapped up in um, like oh, chicken wire, wire or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then I'm like, okay, yes, you can't get up. Yeah. So yeah. I completely understand why you've lost that match. Leaves it open. Great, I enjoyed that. But when it's uh, now, I, I'm not fan of. That. I also don't really like the 60 minute Iron Man matches. I don't really like them either no. as well. I don't like it when I know it's going to go on for 60 minutes. Yeah, I agree. I'm like, oh, here we go. I don't <laughs> know. Best two or three falls I'm not a massive fan of because you know it's going to one all. Yeah, agree. I, I, I think struggle with been, them. There's been a couple of really, really good two out of three. Gargano and I appreciate Cole. It. And it's more about how it gets... Oh, no, don't, don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. And but I, I do agree. It's, you know it's going to be one you've just mentioned, yeah. Yeah, The two you've just mentioned, I've watched recently, as you know, yeah. and it was absolutely in awe of them. Yeah. But there was always that element in my head of, this is going one all. Yeah, I so, think you've got to get the two... If you're going to go one all, I think you've kind of got to get the two falls. Uh, let's say you're going 30 minutes, but you've got to get the two... It's difficult to... You want to get the two, you want to get to the final yeah. fall, don't you, really, and build the drama for yeah. that? Yeah. 
Uh, easier said than done. Doing sixty, seventy-six minutes, but I know, Gargano I know. and Cole was maybe forty, and they did a great job with it. But Excellent. the first yeah. fall wasn't nearly as good as the latter stages. So no, that's the yeah. one with the Gargano's one is where like Cole's sort of looking around to see if he's he looks around like are you coming? Yeah, to yeah. kick him. Yeah, but anyway, so it's just side sport, you know. I always think we have these conversations, but I quite like you having the opportunity to air air. Yeah, your dirty laundry in public. Um, huh. A few little, few little quotes from the from the commentators, which helped keep this keep this going, I guess. Tony Schiavone using the phrase fist, "fisty cuffs." Fisty cuffs. Love that. Don't know that much. Um, he said. Um, then Tony Schiavone says, "This sort of stuff is what you will find in ba- Bowery." To which Keenan went, "You wouldn't find a computer." <laughs> <laughs> which I really liked, just as he got one of the blokes hit someone else with a VCR. Um, the bull rope was there. Did the bull rope exist outside of WCW? I have no idea because I've um, learned about the bull rope only while we've been doing WCW pay-per-views um, and obviously now AEW with, with, with Dustin. Um, the ref originally, when he was knocked out, there was no interference at all. Um, then in come the flock. This is where I completely lost track of what was going in. So the flock come down, push over the riot squad. Van Hammer's in under the ring. Fair play to him. He must have been, he was under there for a long time. Yeah. Um, then I was trying to work out. So then the riot squad enter. And the riot squad also end up being wrestlers as well. And they're all, they're all, I couldn't work out. To me, it looked like the flock and the riot squad were all anti-DDP. Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, they're all on. They're so all why, on, when uh, the flock walked down, did they push the right squad out of the way? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Blew my mind. The <laughs> right squad let them let them like the right squad got pushed over like they were like feathers, and then it turned out they were wrestlers. Yeah, I didn't understand what was going on. I was so confused. Why were they? Why were they going at each other when actually they both wanted the same thing? Blew my mind. Um, and then at the end, it's it's like who is it? Who is it? It's it's it's, it's Mortis. It's what. And even, do you know what? For a big reveal, we had the reveal with Malenko. The fans lost it. This Mortis turned up. The fans were doing what I was doing. Who's that? I see people like, who's that? Who's that? Like, imagine like, like in modern day now, they'd yeah. all have their phones out on Google. Um, I understand that's Chris Canyon. Oh, yes. Yeah. I actually went, I think I went for a wee at this point. Didn't, didn't yeah, I understand Mortis past, is Chris Canyon, who, much, yeah. who, part, who, 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 uh, it wrestling got a bit. I think post wrestling got a bit too much for him, and he uh, ended his life at forty. Yeah, um, yeah, very sad. But um, going back to the match, just quickly, the diamond cutter did it. Do you know what that diamond cutter? I was never really, never really come across DDP. I always knew who he was, but the diamond cutter is a framework for so many massive moves going forward, wasn't it? I mean, mm, oh yeah, stunner. The Oz Carter, just thinking of two. Like that sort of, like, I'm not saying they're, they're, they they copied it, but it, the Diamond Cutter was set such a good, fr- that whole head on your shoulder, like on your shoulder land, is, is set up some of the best moves, best yeah. finishers, best, you know, what, what a, yeah, what a sort of a groundbreaking move he, he sort he of He didn't come up with it though. I was waiting for that. That was yeah. my next question. But you're, I actually put it, and then Steve will now correct me who'd come up with it. <laughs> well, um, um, I think someone will correct me, but I, as far as I know, I think that Johnny Ace 
um, John Laurinaitis was was the one that used this, I believe, as the ace crusher in all Japan, um, and that was his that was his finisher. But I could be wrong about that, and I'm going to do a little bit of a uh, little bit of research, so um, I will let you know on that. Yeah, so that is right about. Um, I hope that this meeting's been recorded. Rubbish is not on the actual podcast, but there we go. If you've heard, just heard that, it's a new feature from Zoom, and we don't like it. Um, yeah, Johnny Ace was the person who originated the cutter, and it's called the Ace Crusher. So there we go. Anything more on this, or shall we swiftly move on to the next uh, next Vince thing? My actual my actual rating cage match. I do like cage matches. Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, Skip. Yes, yeah. Just absolutely. to test, just just to add to that, I <coughs> think about that. I've literally just discussed how much I love cage matches. Ugh, what a shambles! Yeah, it was all. Absolutely you know what? Shocking. It made stadium stampedes. It made me feel I've been a bit harsh on stadium stampede. I think that. that um, do you mean blood and guts or not stadium stampede? Stop stadium stampede. I'll take that all back. Bunkhouse brawl. Bunkhouse brawl. Okay, yeah, yeah. There we go. So take it all back. It made me feel bad that maybe I've been a bit harsh on that. <laughs> At least that had some sort of like wrestling in it. Well, yeah, I think bunkhouse brawl was probably slightly better than this mess. And um, we got someone with some paper with some pictures of Vincent Mann on there, look basically looking at people coming in the arena and then check security cameras just in case he was hiding. Corn Shivani. Uh, Saturn was then shown backstage with the WCWWrestling.com crew. He said that Goldberg squeaked past him at Spring Stampede, and there's no way he's going to leave the building tonight as a loser. They showed the crowd, presumably because they were clearing the ring. Shivani, who I thought was particularly bad on the show so far, said it was a night of individual performances, and he talked about Malenko winning the title. He then speculated what would happen if Sting and the Giant won the tag team titles given that the Giant was now firmly in the NWO Hollywood camp with Hulk Hogan, with Sting being offered an NWO t-shirt earlier in the week. They also carried on the show-long storyline regarding Scott Hall and whether he would be there. Eddie Guerrero versus Ultimo Guerrero was up next. Uh, sorry, Eddie Guerrero versus Ultimo Dragon was up next, and they appeared to oh, be boy, doing... Boy, you added some... Let's yeah, be adding no. people to the Guerrero family, and now you yeah, are. I know, I know what we're doing. Uh, and they appeared to be doing an angle here where Chavo was Eddie's servant and that he would get his freedom if Ultimo Dragon won. Shivani had a full-on meltdown during this match about how people shouldn't berate others in public. They should instead do it in private. And Heenan disagreed and he thought that people should be um, berated very much in public. A uh, match was pretty devoid of any crowd heat, but was technically good, uh, which is probably not a shock given who was in it. The crowd did come alive for a larger gentleman sat at ringside taking his shirt off, though. Um, I was once at a UFC in Manchester that started at the inhumane time of 3am for US pay-per-view. And a guy was sitting near us and he it was so hot in the arena that he took his shirt off. And he's similar looking guys to this one at ringside for this show. Um, and it was pretty disconcerting. It was even more so my mate Kent stitched me up after we'd gone to the bar because he was next to him and he stole my seat. So I had to sit next to this guy for probably like two hours, just his nipples out next to me and listen to X-rated chat between him and his girlfriend about what they were going to do to each other at the service station <laughs> on the way home, which is unbelievably grim. Um, from the May 25th, 98 Observer, Chavo then pulled Eddie Guerrero off the ropes and they argued. Dragon went for a spinning Sorry, that, That's a shame. Sorry, I was hoping God. that was going to be the, no, no, was going to be the Observer's, observer's the summary Observer. of what you witnessed then. No, that's it a shame. wasn't in the Observer. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, sorry, Eddie uh, moved and he hit uh, Chavo, knocking him off the apron. Guerrero then hit a brain buster and got the pin using a frog splash. 
After the match, Chavo was so mad about Dragon losing that he put the boots to him so unmercifully that Eddie actually had to pull him off. Um, strange use of. Uh, <laughs> strange have you gone back to words, that? Uh, have you gone back to? Have you gone back to the uh, chat you had at the UFC there? Yeah, crikey. Um, Eddie then slapped Chavo and dared Chavo to slug him, but instead Chavo kissed him on the cheek. Uh, the post match had a lot of heat. According to Meltzer, three and a three point two five stars. Only it was all right from me. What did you think of the match and the post match here? Yeah, it was, it was an all right for me. Um, so, I mean, to be honest, I I thought you might have done a recommend given how sexualized you made the match. But um, no, no. I um, I to be honest, I always know how much I've enjoyed a match given that the majority of my notes are stuff that I'd gone and researched yeah. while watching. Um, I saw that Ultimo joined WWF, right? And it said his dream was to join the WWF for two reasons. To perform at Madison Square Gardens and WrestleMania. He yeah. debuted at Madison Square, Madison Square Gardens. Tick. He performed at WrestleMania. Tick. Dream come true. Yeah. Asterix. Asterix. At WrestleMania, he tripped over twice. Yes. One has been one one the network have edited it out on the entrance on his entrance, and one they've had to leave in where he trips on the turnbuckle. Maybe oh, think that show, he yeah. Had, yeah. He had guy. two dreams. Does he count that he's successful in life or not? I don't know. Well, he ticked it off, um, but it wasn't, wasn't the best, was it, basically? Yeah. It'd be a bit like, made me think like, you know, our dream was to watch Fulham at Wembley. And we said we didn't care if we won or not. But we did. Yeah, as we didn't get stuffed. If we'd have lost. Stuffed, yeah. If it was a lot, if we'd have lost, would I have still been saying to you, it doesn't matter, we've just seen us there. Um, Wouldn't know because we played Wembley twice since we've been around and we won both. So whatever, move on. Let's <laughs> try and have a little bit of full and positivity today. Yeah, there we um, go. So um, yeah, Eddie Guerrero, and you know, don't shoot me, everyone, but he's another pl- person. Uh-oh. And again, I well, <laughs> Asterix. I just think I preferred heavyweights back in the day. Yeah, okay, okay yeah, yeah. I don't now. Now it's not. I pref- now actually, I just like. All different things. Like, if you're a bit too small, I'm a bit like, uh, I mean, I'm not talking Marco Stunt in AEW here. I mean, that's a bit of an exception to the rule. But now I sort of appreciate all Wolves. But Eddie was someone that I never really took to. Don't get me wrong, WrestleMania 20? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 When he won. He, no, he, won he, he yeah. retained it at WrestleMania 20. He won it the, the month before against Lesnar. At, yeah. Uh, no way well, out. I thought it was brilliant and all that. Don't get me wrong. He's another one that I've appreciated retrospectively. So yeah, that's I right. now yeah. I now watch back and go, God, he was good, wasn't he? Yeah. Like every single time I watch him now in any old thing, I'm like, God, that match is a so- every time solid. Yeah. So- like it's solid to good, right? And but at the time, I could just never get into him. And I think because WWF, you know, he was like Latino. He, I, I found it more funny when he's chatting China up. All that. Yeah, I found he wasn't him more as a, a, a gimmick, yeah. a gimmick. So I could never really take his matches that 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 funny. So when I watch the, we do these, we, we do these lookbacks. I quite look forward to if I see someone like him in a match because I'm like, now I'm appreciating. Now I'm looking forward to seeing this guy. Yeah, I agree. Um, and unfortunately, the match was okay. I mean, I put it was all right. Uh, the, the whole storyline for me is a bit weird. Like. So Chavo's come out with his uncle because he's 
has to come out of his uncle. And now he's got to stay with his, it's his uncle, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Stay with his uncle, which he just completely, I mean, you know, my uncle. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know if I'd be sort of, you know, I don't want to go and clean his kitchen, but no, I mean, no. I'm more than happy to have a beer with him. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, anyway, um, the only other thing I saw in it was uh, actually when I was looking at Ultimo, he got he was given an acting credit on his Wikipedia. Right? Oh, was he? Okay. Right, hang on. He's given an acting credit for a 2008 film called Bloodstained Memory, which, from what I understand, is a documentary. It's also got in Chris Jericho, RVD, Mick Foley, The Great Mooter. And I'll tell you what, it's 2008. If you can find that... yeah. Please, if anyone can find that, <laughs> tweet it. It is, I'm usually quite good at this. It's nowhere. So it's, it's a documentary gone. about about being a wrestler, which I'm not sure you should get an acting credit for. You. No, no. But I then went on like a little, like, you know, wormhole to try and find it because I thought this could be quite an interesting watch. And I can't find it anywhere. Well, I wonder if it's been pulled for some reason, probably. Yeah, because yeah. it's got like, you know, you've got Jericho, Van Damme, Foley, you've got... You know, I'd imagine it's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that was another side bit. So, if anyone, but I guess the other match, I guess my comment would just be the frog splash. Least effective top rope finisher? Uh... The frog splash? Do you know how I view finishers? When you see a finisher and you think, I could do that. <laughs> I always straight away, to me, I'm like, could I stand on the top, jump, put my hands and legs touch each other and then land on someone yeah probably because i'll be panicking right could i flip no so when i think i can do the finisher i'm always like like even the stunner right it was great because austin done it but i mean you kick someone like i think we all know you could do the stunner yeah that the stunner was more of a you know whoa like oh my god like it was a because of the reaction it's not gonna hurt you i I just look at the. I always look at the frog splash and be like, "You're a serious wrestler. And your finishing move is called the frog splash." That, we talked about earlier. Yeah. The, the, the torture rack. Well, what's your finishing move? The torture rack. Whoa, you must be well up. What's yours? The frog splash. <laughs> All right. What do you do? I go to the top rope and I just. You're lying on the floor. I'm going to go up to the top rope and then I'm just going to sort of. What you I jump do? on you like a frog. Jump, jump on you. Jump yeah. on you like a frog. Yeah. <laughs> and what's that going to do? That's going to lay you out, mate. You're done. There's no yeah. coming back from that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Thoughts on the old frog special? I would Probably say, never about it, but... no, that is great. That's great. That's great about the name. I would say, though, that because uh, I believe that Rob Van Dam won the WWE title, I, would, I need Mark to confirm this at ECW's One Night Stand 2. Pretty sure he beat Cena with that. I'm sure he must have done. And Eddie Guerrero. Uh, frog splash Lesnar to win the WWE title, so you've got at least two world titles out of that. And Van Dam and Eddie Guerrero won a lot of matches with it, so I'm I'm going. It's okay, especially the way they did it. So yeah, I'm 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 saying pass yeah. for the for the frog splash. Maybe least effective is the wrong terminology. Maybe just um, what the word I'm looking for? Rubbish. <laughs> I was going to swear, but I'm trying to keep it PG. Keep it PG. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah, it was all right. Uh, do, you know, do you know why? Do you know why? You know what? Some people might watch this and say, oh, I thought, I thought it was better than that. But I think we've said this before when we do these, um, this rating. When you see a certain name in the match, your expectation. Yeah, big time. So big when time. I saw Eddie Guerrero, I was expecting this is going to be a guaranteed recommend. Yeah. And when it wasn't up to the level of my brain had got, if this was two blokes, if this was two blokes from that battle royal earlier on, 
I might have put this as a recommend. Yeah. Because my brain would have been like, I'm expecting nothing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. This, so this, I show, this show looks a lot better on paper than it, I think it, it does. Exactly. And I think that it's going to continue in that vein. Uh, backstage, we saw a door with Vincent Mann's name on it and the reason for the ratings written on there as well. Um, and every time they cut to this, we said it earlier on, but I just think this, this makes this promotion look so Bush League. Tony said, some people walk the walk and some people don't. Um, Bill Goldberg versus Perry Saturn for the United States title up next. This was just two months shy of Goldberg's Georgia Dome World Title Challenge. Um, there was a good reaction for Goldberg, although not earth-shaking as you might expect. I think this crowd was just a shit. So it weren't very good, this crowd in, in Worcester. Though they did react to some, some stuff later on. So perhaps I shouldn't blame them. Perhaps I should blame WCW's iffy booking. Um, I thought apart from a couple of iffy clotheslines, Goldberg looked pretty good in this, but the crowd, as I said, was dead. Um, not into his big moves and barely into the finish. Really odd. Match was okay. It went seven minutes and one second and ended after Goldberg speared Saturn out of midair after an attempt at something off a chair from Saturn. Bill followed with the jackhammer and that was it. Um, I understand from the observer that the booking in the lead up to this one was really messy and it was only determined that day that Goldberg... It was meant to be a Gordon match. Yeah, exactly, with the with members of the so, what, so it was meant to be... Oh, is that right? Okay, that's yeah, what I was yeah. going to ask. So what, Goldberg was the final... Uh, I don't know no, how. Hang on. Who was going, who was so, running the gauntlet? I Saturn think Goldberg was, was Goldberg was running the gauntlet against the flock members would have been how it with Saturn at the end. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Fine. Um, uh, just to, yeah, and I think that that booking may have contributed to the lackluster response from the crowd. Another, it was all right for me. What did you think of this? Yeah, I put it was all right. Um, so I was disappointed straight away because Goldberg didn't have that. I don't know when he brought it in that whole where they knock on the door. Was that a WWF thing or was that WCW? No, that was later in WCW, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so, he's walked out there, 87 and 0. He's the US heavyweight champion. Is that the sort of Intercontinental yes. equivalent? Yes, yeah. So, he's won 87 matches and he's the equivalent of the Intercontinental champion. 87 and well, 0. Well... Ma- I know, I know. But what I'm trying to say, yeah. I know, I think... The dispute is very much a how many goals did Pele score and how many matches did Goldberg win <laughs> in his streak. Are very, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they are very similar. For those that, I mean, I assume everyone in their world knows Pele, right? But they say the Geese scored yeah. however many thousand goals. I mean, <coughs> dubious goals committee, there's not really much evidence of some of them. <laughs> um, so, in theory, though, we're meant to believe he's won 87 matches and he's made, he's made it to that level, mind-blowing. Um, however, I, I will, I will well, I'll mention it now. I mean... I say that and I'm laughing, you know, just if anyone did pipe up. Yes, I do appreciate I watch AEW and I do appreciate that if you watch AEW and you look at some of their rankings, there are people that you've never heard of that are 15 and no because they're wrestling matches on YouTube's version of Dark, which I can only assume Goldberg must have been doing. How shows, Um, can't it? And it wasn't a completely legit number, though. It wasn't, apparently it wasn't, I don't believe it was too far off, actually. No, I mean... So, so then by winning, he goes 88 and 0. So then he won the world title in July 98. Yes. And he ended up losing it in December. So he went unbeaten all that time. And he held it from July to December. Yes. Yes. And he lost it 173 and 0. Yes. Um, and then I understand from sort of people I know that watch WWE, that was his downfall because once the streak had gone, it then be like the geezers, yeah. You don't. He's what's he? What's your thing now? You haven't got anything. Um, 
So just on the win-loss record, um, Nick Schwartz of Fox Sports wrote, no one really knows what Goldberg's actual record was, but it's generally accepted that 173-0 is an inflated number. Some of Goldberg's industry peers have stated the figure was exaggerated. His then WCW colleague stated that, uh, Chris Jericho stated that one week he'd be 42-0 and and seven days later he'd be 58-0. and um, So yeah, it was there. It was embellished a bit. Um it's probably, you can probably I mean, to be honest, out. I don't have any issue with that. I don't have no, any I don't issue have with any that. Issue either. Because no. it's a bit of a laugh. But what I'm trying to say is, okay, so you're trying to say this guy's gone unbeaten this time. If he's won 87 matches in a row, the geezer should be the champion. But I mean, what, what number are we saying you need to go unbeaten before you've got the top bell in the game? Well, that's, you know a, I mean? that's like, a really good point. 87 I think, yeah. matches. Like. So he had, according to Cage Match, he had 19 matches in 1997. Uh, and in 1998, he had a hundred. I oh, know uh, he had 1998. He had 147. So 147 cool. plus. Not was the first one 19. So he's wrestling over. He's wrestling more than twice a week then. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And in terms of he lost, he lost, so he had two matches that year without when he wasn't the champion. So 147. I mean, a cage match is usually pretty good for this. So this might be this might be right on the money. So 100, 145 in 98, and he had 19. So 148, 158, 167. Okay, 160. Yeah, he's not miles. No, it's not far off at all. And we said he lost. I've got that. Yeah. He lost it at 173. <laughs> Madness, isn't it? Yeah. Um, made me made me think about. Mr. Cowboy Bill Watts, actually. Was Goldberg, like, in your opinion, was Goldberg a wrestler or was he a, was he an actor with hype? No, I think... Um, as, in, as in, I know he's not an actor, but I'm talking about what Bill Watts is trying to say, where you've just got a bloke that is a muscle-bound guy. See, see, my opinion, I don't know, right? Yeah. However, one thing I would say is whoever is in the, in the department, whether, I don't know what you'd call it, business I guess we'd call it the marketing department but he had hype about him whoever's job it was done a great job the person yeah. who was inflating the figures but because and actually I said before I don't we I mean that's not <laughs> don't want to touch upon recent debates that people are having um, particularly maybe some of us in, in, in our service but there's two elements to rest two two ways to look at it, wrestlers in my opinion now particularly having much I've watched a lot you know, since doing this for years you've got how good you are at wrestling yeah and you've got how much you are over hype your promos you think if you get both together wow you're untouchable yeah right I think the more you look at it for people to be remembered the people that are remembered have more hype and promo and character. If you've got loads of hype, promo and character, you're an average wrestler. More people remember you than if you're well good at wrestling with no hype. Yeah, I think when you when you're when you and the Goldberg had hype. Yeah, I think when you're key, so I think it was overlooked. When you're when you're uh, so one thing that's probably key more than anything is when you're a star. So if you were if you were a very like a, a, a you were a really good wrestler with some character. You know, now in WWE, people aren't going to remember you in ten or fifteen years' time if you're a 
you know, if you're even Roman Reigns, people people kind of know he's him. Probably he's probably the not, only hope, really. Yeah, he's not going to be a, he's not going to be like a major star where people look, look look back on like people like Randy Savage and people like that, or even Jake the Snake Roberts are like that kind of in your consciousness. I think with Goldberg, for me, I think Goldberg was a tremendous athlete. I think he um, he could do stuff that he could do flips, he could do kicks. You know, he he wasn't he wasn't the most polished of wrestlers. Like I've got um, I've got here his moves. I've got here that that when he hit like he picked he picked Saturn up at some stage in, in this match like he was a feather. He picked him up in a in a, yeah. in a gorilla press. Yeah, man. like he, he cost, flipped like him he in the air and, and, and speared him. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, and, and I would say as well, his moves. See again, I've got similar. His moves. Every move he hit, you're like, poor. Yeah. I bet that hurt. I thought and, two, and I two clotheslines looked iffy. Apart from that, I thought it was solid the yeah. whole way through. I mean, I, I mean, I personally, again, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm educating myself on this individual, but I view Goldberg like I view Brock Lesnar. But I'm mm. educating myself on Lesnar. But I view them both the same. Two big fellas that I get why a wrestling company would go, this guy's going to come in and beat everyone. Because do you know what? It strikes me as like, like I used to watch and be like, like when Kane, like let's take Kane for example, Kane would turn up and lose to someone, and I'd be like, "The guy is six foot, whatever. He's not. I don't care how good you are at wrestling. That bloke's knocking you out." Yeah. yeah. Like, as in, like, I viewed Kane like you know, sometimes my brain would go a little bit like, "What's you're telling me? If they met, like, they met in a pub, Kane's <laughs> getting knocked out by that bloke. Don't think so." And Goldberg and Lesnar remind me of like, yeah, they would probably beat this bloke up in in, in less than ten minutes. Because that's how they would be. And actually, if you met Goldberg or Lesnar in the pub, they would also knock you out in, in a couple of minutes, yeah. right? They wouldn't be. And and, and and I viewed that. But I just think with, with Goldberg, that like the streak thing, I'll put it this way. I'll tell you, like you said about Goldberg, if the streak weren't a thing, so let's say he turned up and he had a normal start, like other people lost someone, do you think he would, be, he would have been as big as he no. was? No way. No. Because the hype train was big enough. I um, don't know when... Also, um, I, sorry, go I, on. I was going to say, I must to say as well, the spear he hits, I always used to think this as well. I, I personally think Edge hit the best spear. Mm. Right, lot, lots of wrestlers use spears, yeah? But Goldberg's spear was pretty brutal. I, I've actually said, like, you know, what would you say the best, best spear, Edge? Um, I'd say Loads Goldberg, of people actually. Use, uh, yeah, I mean, would you yeah. put anyone else in the mix? Roman Reigns is pretty decent as well. I think yeah, I, I was going to say. Yeah, I think the thing with Goldberg is that I think Goldberg is somewhat. I think people forget, and I'm probably you know Goldberg's got a lot going against him. In he in, he, in, he ended Bret Hart's career, like you know, with a errant kick. Um, you know that could have happened, and you know perhaps, perhaps I shouldn't say it could have happened to anyone at any time. Correct. I completely agree careful. with that. But it's an accident. You know these things do happen. Um, I think Goldberg around this time. I think the problem was that Goldberg had supernatural charisma. He got over. Don't, I, I can never underestimate anyone that gets over to a level like this. And you, you're talking about what were his promos like? See, I don't really see. Oh, I didn't really, cut, didn't really cut any of that around this time. He at didn't. All. Right, okay. No. Okay. Um, I mean, you're, you're talking about rarefied air. Let, I mean, let's let's think about it in terms of North America. You got Hulk Hogan. You got Steve Austin. And you got The Rock. And you've got Goldberg. I'd say it, not not quite to the level of Austin and The Rock, but Goldberg was a difference maker in terms of numbers around that time. And he was around this time. This guy was a serious star. Can't think of anyone else that I'd really. I mean, 
was Goldberg more over than John Cena? I would say he was. Yeah, I think he was. John yeah. Cena was a bigger star in the end because of longevity, and, it, and and John Cena was the one that came after. You can't put a price on that streak. No, you you can't. And you I, honestly I think, can't. Even you can't. I do. I do genuinely. And, think and actually, he, that was that was his downfall in the end, though. Yeah, arguably, I, because I the minute he, the streak was gone, the minute the streak was gone. He was never quite the same. Said, but he like, was still popular. WCW, yeah, just said, yeah. yeah, but they said like it was. You had that thing of, yeah, but he's beatable now. Yeah, and he lost that. He lost that air of. He might. I don't know. There wasn't this. Well, the I problem know, was just, he was. Like, Say, well, be like Undertaker. The minute Undertaker's streak went. Yeah. The matches after he had at WrestleMania were like, okay. Well, they didn't mean it. No, I mean like, yeah, we got the cinematic ones. Yeah, you got, and and also, I don't know. There was something that. A near fall that could cost a streak was a lot more than a near fall that went because because what Undertaker used to do was he'd fight someone at WrestleMania, just fight anyone, didn't matter, didn't matter, didn't need to be a belt on the line, didn't matter because the streak was on the line. Yeah, yeah. Then when he's fighting people with no belt and no streak, it's like okay, who cares? Yeah, I agree. Uh, oh, you've got we've got a bit of history, whatever. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, but don't get me wrong, they wouldn't they wouldn't swap not having that streak for anything because I think you no. know, for both of them in their own right, it, 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 you know. I think going back to Goldberg, the, the thing with him is that he he was in a really unique set of circumstances. Goldberg found himself get, getting over at an incredible level um, in the in probably the worst booked. I mean, some people might say modern day WWE, but the worst booked wrestling promotion ever, worst booked national promotion ever in the history of planet Earth. And after the streak was over. WCW was in a, in a torrid state. So I'm not sure anyone could have come back really at any significant level. I, d- I don't know what would who have did happened. He, who did he lose the streak to, sorry? Kevin Nash, who was booking the promotion at the time. Um, wow. Yeah. So how um, did that, I mean, again, how did, you, how did that go down? They shot him with, a ca- that- Scott Hall shot him with a cattle prod and then Kevin Nash powerbombed him. Uh, and and, and, but how did you know, do you remember how that went down with the fans or like? Uh, like well, at that, the, the arena. Like, like, this it, is absolutely, Nah, I mean it wasn't Twitter generation. I, I don't know. I think in the arena there was a big pop because people had seen history and like you know. It, it, I might try it, and watch that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, it wasn't it wasn't the right time and Nash wasn't the right person. But I don't, I just don't know. WCW, whatever happened with Goldberg, WCW was not going to survive ninety nine and two thousand because of how bad their booking yeah. was. Um, if Goldberg had been around a positive locker room and people that would have been would have been wanting to spend the time to try and get him better then I think that he would have been able to, he would have been able to do slightly longer matches more proficiently. But that being said, do you need, this is a thing, not everything's got to be Kazuchika Okada for 35 minutes or Will Ospreay no. for 47. He could have had 10 minute high, you know, high impact, you know, smack like incredible main events. And I, I think, I think unfortunately. But that was the other Goldberg. thing he was known for, wasn't it? I mean, that's the other thing I knew him for. Undefeated, but his matches lasted yeah. next to no time. And I think But I would... again, but now I look back at that and, and, and I read the things that go, yeah, because he couldn't. Yeah. Right? All this stuff, I couldn't, right? But at the time, at the time, I didn't bat an eyelid to that because my view was, well, that's because he's rock hard. Yeah. Of course they don't. Of course they don't last long. It's You're fighting a bloke yeah. that has got 87 matches undefeated. Guess what? He's going to beat you in three minutes. Yeah. Why? Because he's that good. Yeah. I like that. Now yeah. the people go, was because he couldn't do it. And again, a bit like the social media generation, people look into the different elements and look at... At the time, someone that weren't even WCW fan, I always used to think, you know, look, I've said it before, 
I viewed him straight away. Well, you're a budget Steve Austin. But I tell you now, he was, there was two WCW wrestlers when I was growing up that I would sometimes whack Channel 5 on for. Yeah. And it was, and it was him and Sting. Yeah. Yeah. Just to see what the deal was. Just to see what's the deal with these two? What's the deal here? Um, and and yeah, I didn't want him. I did. And when I saw him win a match in three minutes, I'd be like, "He is this guy's." He's exciting. Quite yeah. hard. Yeah. Like, and it didn't. And as we just said, the moves were just like something we just said. Like he's picking Perry Saturn up. Like he weighs. Like we just talked about Perry Saturn's promo where you're going. God, I got really into that. He's like, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm a bit, I'm a bit scared. This bloke's in, lifting him up like he's yeah, in a beans. Yeah. Just to close off on Goldberg, I, I do think that, unfortunately for him, by the time 2003 came around, I think he was mentally checked out of wrestling and it just didn't work. He was, da- I think it was damaged goods. The whole WCW thing, the, the way that he was kind of first came in, you know, perhaps there was an argument that you, perhaps he should have, should have been, um, maybe, maybe, I don't know, I was thinking maybe he should have been pushed to heel. Not sure. But certainly there were moments in that. I remember the SummerSlam match he got over when, in the uh, Elimination Chamber where he didn't win the title. They delayed it for a month. He got the title later on. I'm, I'm, I strongly believe if Goldberg had come in as part of the invasion angle and they'd have built to a title versus title, Steve Austin versus Goldberg at WrestleMania 18, which they could have done. Oh. Goldberg was a, well, Goldberg could have, they could have bought out that Time Warner contract. That would have been the biggest wrestling pay-per-view in history. Huge. Um, and it would have, you know, it, whatever you want to do in that match, you, you could have done it and you could have had rematches thereafter until Steve Austin's body, you know, went out on him. But yeah, yeah Goldberg's interesting. I also, and, and final, final, final thing on him. I think also he, he's, he's, been put, he's been given opportunities over the last few years, obviously much later on in his life and he's performed well in some of them, but he's not going to be popular and, and, and he's, he's, he's has a, you know, we've talked about, you know, people have goodwill and bad will for things. People have bad will for Goldberg when he's put into a storyline where he beats Kevin Owens to the Universal title in like three minutes after Owens has been, you know, the top guy in the promotion for six months. So, yeah, that's not really on Goldberg because if someone said to me, oh, yeah, here's, <laughs> yeah. here's, here's 300 grand, go and be Universal. All right, all right, cheers. Yeah, thanks very much. So, yeah, yeah. of course you take it all day long. Michael Buffer was out for the supposed fight between Eric Bischoff and Vincent Mann. And from the May 28th Observer, I'll let Uncle Dave describe what happened next. Bischoff came out. Michael Buffer came out to announce the farce to make it seem even sillier. Buffer announced McMahon's name. um, And Dave says, hey, I was expecting a mannequin or blow up doll that Bischoff would kick in the head. And supposedly that was the original idea. Instead, nobody came out. Bischoff told referee Mickey J to count McMahon out for not showing up. And they announced Bischoff as the winner by forfeit. The fans did all count to 10 with the ref. And when McMahon's name was announced, they booed it heavily, even in Worcester. And don't give me the McMahon as a heel on WF TV. And that's why they booed. They booed because they were at a WCW show and know that when at WCW, you boo WF and vice versa, because those exact same fans at a WF show, if McMahon were to do an anti-WCW promo, would pop for him almost as big as Austin. Since everyone knew McMahon wasn't going to be there, this came off badly, but I was ex- actually expecting worse. I just thought too much time was spent on this nonsense. It could have been better spent on almost anything else. What did you make of the conclusion of this show long angle? Well, again, didn't know how they were going to do it. I've actually put this down as a match, match eight skip. Yeah. Um, I mean, does we, we mentioned earlier on about um, how much Brian Adams or Crush would have cost. And you mentioned about the helicopter, I think, earlier on. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's got Michael Buffer in to announce a match that wasn't going to happen. 
We're well, talking about how much money this guy's... Pro- yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, but come on. I mean, I actually... See, interesting you say that. I viewed it as in, it got buffering for that and gone, can you do that, the main event as well? Yeah. Um, but Buffer was a regular me, feature on these shows, just... Uh, yeah, I know, but yeah, to yeah. me, it was... Uh, it was uh, This whole thing, using Buffer, <coughs> was trying to show, we got a lot of money, yeah. and all that. I mean, all I had on this was, who do you think would have won? Vince, yeah? Uh, no, Bischoff, actually. What? No, I'm... Well, he's not going to... What? I, I mean, as in... Obviously, Bischoff's going to win if it was on a WCW show. I mean, as in, neutral venue. You think Bischoff beats Vince McMahon? In a, are you talking about in a, in a shoot, a fight? A wrestling match, yeah. If it were, as in, like, a legitimate fight, if they were... Uh, okay, what am I trying to say? Let's just say wrestling was real. How can I word this? I don't mean going back to what I said before, a fight in a pub, which also Vince would win. No, Bischoff would win. What Vince? Are we talking about the same Vince McMahon that I'm Bi- talking about? Eric, Eric, Eric Bischoff was like pretty proficient in karate. Really? He, le- legit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well that's yeah. blown my mind. Yeah, I'm thinking about Vince. You know when he used to come down in his black like we. Uh, I'm trying to think what uh, pay per view that was. Um, uh, yeah, against, well, it was Royal Rumble. He came out top, didn't he? But everything after that was Austin with the, with the and best all that, one and all that. Uh, yeah. No, well, there was St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which we talked about. The yeah, other which day, which the I've just watched. Yeah. Yes, yeah, same day as May. Night me that Fulham. Vince loses to this little fella. Yeah, big time. That has blown my mind. Yeah, Vince is just a roided up guy in his whatever he was at the time, fifties. Sorry, allegedly. Whereas Bishop okay, is probably. I guess he's probably about my age now, maybe a little bit older, but legitimate fighting background. I mean, oh, if fair it, enough. Yeah, okay. if Vince got fair hold enough. of him, he might be able to wrestle him down, but I think Bischoff would have would have been too handy. It's a bit oh, like, um, you know, uh, there's a, you, you know, so there's, a, there's, a, there's always a big difference between a muscular guy that might be a bit tough and someone that's got legitimate fighting skills, even if the person is much smaller. So, I, yeah, I think Bischoff all day long. We've got, we got, we got, we got certain individuals that go to Fulham with us, mate, that, that have you like that, haven't we? So, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, oh, no, okay. All right, well, yeah, good. Brilliant. There we go, I mean, there we go. That's actually thrown me a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, so Buffer stayed in the ring and said this was going to be a grudge match from hell, a grudge match like no other. This is the next contest. And Bret Hart was out first with second WCW theme and he'd already turned heel, helping Hogan win back the WCW world title from Randy Savage and becoming an associate of the NWO rather than joining the official joining the group officially. And I've just written, what a load of poo. Um, Roddy Piper was a special referee and he got a great reaction. And out next was the Macho Man himself, red and black on Signify NWO Wolfpack. And Buffer said he was known for recklessness, known for madness. Um, this was another match that was seemingly devoid of any significant crowd interest. It was okay, but no better than that. And the finish was a sort of mesh you'd expect from this era of WCW. So from the Observer again, Hart finally clamped on the sharpshooter and Bobby Heenan said that you might see Savage submit for the first time in his career. Um, luckily, they forgot all those bouts against Luger where he lost to the rack and the armbar. Savage reversed the sharpshooter, but Hart made the ropes. Elizabeth, um, that getting out of the business for her was short-lived, returned for absolutely no reason. Hart hit Savage with a low blow, pulled out a foreign object and hit Piper with it, although Piper at the time was distracted by Liz. Savage got the object from Hart, but Hogan did a run-in and tripped Savage's good leg, then smashed his bad one against the ring post. Hart put on the sharpshooter. Piper turned around and saw the object in Savage's hand. 
And while Savage was tapping out, Piper disqualified Savage for what he believed to be hitting him with the object. However, on television the next night, Piper said he saw the tape and realised it was Hart who hit him and reversed the decision, which led to a Hogan and Hart versus Piper and Savage main event for the 14th of June pay-per-view from Baltimore. Two and a half stars. I put this was all right, but I think I'm being generous because of who it was. What did you think of this uh, Savage and Hart match? That's interesting what you said. I'm going to end my little summary uh, linked to your rating you've given there. Um, Yeah, so... Piper's the ref there. I mean, so I've got it. Brett was 41, Savage 46, Piper 44. Um, we discussed Piper on the podcast before. Sort of very, in my opinion, a very dull guy. I didn't really get it. But I recently watched his, um, not Dark Side of the Ring, his... The A&E one, A-N-E, yeah. yeah. Which, to be honest, you know, fair play to him. Like, he, you know, at the end of the day, you get these biographies because you, you, you've got a story to tell, right? But... Guy fought very well, very hard to get to where he was. Um, I felt actually a lot of the documentary was actually putting blame at his door for sort of making Ric Flair an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> yeah. Seen it. Um, he had a Tasmanian Devil thing on. T-shirt was this? Yeah, T-shirt, which just made me laugh because I just remember Tasmanian Devil was huge back then, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. The Tasmanian Devil. You could get the Tasmanian devil wearing anything. <laughs> yes. Like, if you went out, oh, what's that? Oh, you've got any Fulham tops? Yeah, I've got Tasmanian devil wearing a Fulham shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. I mean, I had, like, my mum's cousin lived in Tasmania, and I think I'm pretty confident I would go around school going, Tasmania, mum's cousin's from there. As in, like, that was a boast. That was it, like, yeah. Like, it was massive, wasn't it? It was huge. It was huge. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, Savage was Wolfpack. Yeah, yeah, no Liz. Um uh, little, I've got, I've just got questions here for you. I'll tell you. Um, sort of, again, this match for me, I'm watching it. Again, we touched on it. I'm just looking at it. It's a testament to... All I could think was, look at these guys. How much money are these guys getting? Yeah. It, it's actually scared me a little bit. Um, got steel steps involved. No DQ for that. No disqualification for using the steel steps. No, I think part of the um, rings, that's okay, I think, usually. I mean, I did look... How heavy do you think them steps are? Um, Could we pick them up? I think we probably struggle. We'd be able to pick them yeah. up. I'm not sure over our heads. Yeah. Um, who was the heel and the face in this? Brett was the heel. Savage was the face. Okay, so oh, because the wolf pack were face. Yes. Okay, fine. Oh, I understand. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I've got quite a lot of notes, but many questions I want to see really. Um, we went. We talked earlier about matches being too long or too short. Um, these are older guys. That match was too long. How long was it? I didn't. I didn't know. Uh, that down actually, but it, it was too long. It, it, yeah, because of their age. Um, I've got a little. Uh, let me start asking you some of these questions. Madness, Macho. My question was going to be: Did you follow Macho Man in WCW as a Macho Man fan? Um, did you like? Did you have any Madness Macho clobber? I've got a Macho Man Randy Savage t-shirt now. I used to have a Macho Man no, Randy no, Savage. A ma- no, no, hang on. I didn't say Macho Oh, sorry. He was classed as a Madness Macho. A ma- what's that- a ma- Madness Macho? I don't, he yeah. just had Madness down his trousers. Oh, well, Macho Madness was kind of his um, his thing like Hulkamaniacs and Warrior Wilderness and all that sort of stuff. So that was kind of his sort of gimmick that he used to sort of say, Macho Madness kind of thing. So that's where that's where that sort of yeah, came from. Yeah, so I had... 
I just thought that was a bit. I mean, because it's weird because they still called Macho Man Randy Savage and Bret the Hitman Hart, right? So they've kept that element of their previous persona, but obviously mm. they've tried to. It looked to me like they've kept, you know, they they were advertised at the start of this card as Macho Man Randy Savage versus Bret the Hitman Hart, right? But obviously their attire. It's sort of like, you know, when you get like a knockoff shirt, like a knockoff football shirt from the market. <laughs> like it's close to, but not quite. So like I pictured like they put madness there to say, should we see if this madness thing goes down? No, that and was then, an old that was an old thing of, of Savage okay, Madness, yeah. But do you see, see what I mean? Like they, yeah. they still called them the same names, but couldn't obviously completely replicate it. Sixteen uh, minutes and thir- sixteen minutes and thirty-eight seconds yeah, this was, six. yeah. So I don't know. I just find it a bit strange with that. Um, I found with the illegal weapon, Bret Hart wouldn't use an illegal weapon, in my opinion. That annoyed me. He's too technical like, and too good. But then he's a heel here, so I suppose he's... I still, I've still, i seen enough of Bret Hart interviews that that goes against everything that that guy talks about. Have you watched these matches? I mean, how often did he use... A, did he, um, he probably did a bit in, in a WWF run as a heel in 97, I guess. But, Weapons um, or like maybe like low blows. Yeah, weapons and a bit of cheating, I think. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Um, again, disqualified despite earlier instances. Um, going back to how when they moved over to, you know, they kept their name. So I guess I, if I start a sort of couple of things I want to ask you your 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 thoughts on. Um, one of the things they bring them over, and as, as I just said, you know, still calls him Macho Man, still calls him Brady Hitman. They they know what the what the what gets the fans going, but they can't quite replicate it. And the key that you can't replicate there is the music. Yes. And when Hart wins, it's Hart that wins, yeah. His theme hits, and it just doesn't have that oomph. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have that oomph. And and it just made me think about, well, this isn't so much a question, but had me think about when you change music, the risk you've got there. And and, and the reason I mention that is Roman Reigns has reached the league you know, he's the champion. He, he's, he's, the, he's the main man in WWE and he's changed his music. Mm. And that is a risky thing to do. But, I mean, as my Spotify playlist will, will attest, he's nailed it. I haven't he's heard absolutely it. Absolutely nailed no. it. But, well, I, you know, he's nailed it. It, it is the entrance of a, <coughs> of a champion, of a bloke mm. that walks in and goes, I'm the best. It, it, it's got that. And the other point I was actually going to make is Jericho's WWE music was, for me, amazing. Loved it, and he's rocked up to AEW with with another banger. Right? It's very difficult to get enter again. Going back to what we talked about hype earlier, getting your entrance right. If you can get it right, what a, what a thing to do. So with Hart, Bret Hart there. I mean, I, were entrance themes as big back then? Ninety eight, probably they were starting to get quite big. I would say entrance themes. Yeah, because you know, like we're watching Mid South now. That in eighty five, we're in eighty five, right? There's the odd, there's one or two, there's a few. Yeah. Then then I think in the early nineties you hear them, but there's you know. Uh, I don't know. I think I think Hogan Hogan. Hogan, I, yeah. But yeah. what I'm saying, it's not Hogan like, Warrior like now, Savage. I think I now, think it's late eighties, really. But now you of, could yeah. have, now you could have a bang average wrestler with a banging entrance team and straight away you go, you're hyped for him. Yeah, there's there's probably more there's certainly more um diversity in in terms of the wrestling themes now because i get and i guess this it's probably a reflection of music whereas the wf stuff was all one bloke so there was, was always yes um a bit of yeah, and yeah. actually WWE and aw well aw 
AEW were using the same guy for quite a bit until Tony mm. Khan's decided to buy rights for no particular reason. Well, he bought he bought but, Wild one version of Wild Thing one week, and now he's he's got a different but different later version of it, isn't right. he? Too much, too more money but, yeah. than sense. But a little bit like music is is, is quite key. But yeah, the other point. Oh, by the way, I was made a point point that I spoke about Marty Jannetty aging earlier on, and and, and when we've done these pay per views, you see people age. Miss Elizabeth doesn't age, does she? Mm. Every single time we watch a pay per view, she's an eight out of ten. It's too. It's it's a it's 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 a subject that hurts me too much to even speak about. To be honest, yeah, I can't even like like. I mean, to be honest, just to go back to the match. She comes running out, and she runs in. She's she's pro savage, isn't she? Uh yes, yeah. She runs in as he's got as he's got um Britain, He's he's got him in a hole. Is she pro savage? Joe, That's I why I didn't know because she ran in and as Savage is sort of getting uh... Brett, sort of, I think he's got him in a hold. I was like, "What are you doing?" I didn't really understand. Yeah, I. She didn't. She didn't really have a reason to be there because she didn't walk in with him. Made me think she wasn't with him. I don't. I but don't know the was... answer to that. Actually, she might have been. She might have been at NWO Hollywood. I, I don't know. Answer on a postcard. Yeah, I don't. Know. But anyway, sorry. My quick question. Sorry, it's actually like going on a tangent. Is we talked about the age of them. What would you call, what would you say your, and, I, and I just, I'll ask the question, make a couple of quick points. Your, your, the prime age for a wrestler is, and I, and I say that, I always compare it to football, to which yeah. I think your prime age is around 27, 28. However, also like football, the older players' brains work at a completely different level to the 27, 28 year olds, but unfortunately their body ain't there. And I do think wrestling could be a, be the same for that and, yeah. and I think that's why wrestling you do see some of the older guys like we're watching Jericho now I think Jericho the start of AEW looked really hot and now I'm starting to see a little bit of the of the age setting in but what would you say the prime age for a wrestler is where you're like okay you, 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 you're not too young now you know enough well you're working I am um, I'm of the of the opinion that there probably isn't one actually um i think i think that um it's probably more about time and place and, and what experience you've had i mean this is the thing i think i i spoke on the last mid-south podcast about um if you're 25 and you've got two years experience you're not getting a chance in main roster wwe for years oh, and years yeah. and years um i i i think that it, osprey's what 28 i mean he's he, he, he's not going to get any better is he i mean okada's early 30s unbelievable in his late 20s kenny oh, omega's see, at 37 38 still incredible so i don't know i think you want to yeah. be also injuries I think, I, by the way i think osprey i think osprey will get better i'm because, not sure he can with injuries no, so now. i think physically yeah okay so that's the side but i think i think with him physically physically He's probably in his prime, but what's going on in the head and how he works a ring and works a, works an arena, he'll get better. And I think that will, I think he'll be better. I think he'll keep getting better for a little bit, like Carter. Yeah, possibly. I just don't, I think the thing with, with Osprey is I don't, I don't he, he will, if, if he comes back from this injury and we don't really know what, no one really knows what's going on, um, he, he may be able to continue because he's, he's such an intelligent wrestler to, to work the heavyweight style you know, yeah. go up a notch, but I do avoid, think avoid doing the moves that are going to affect his. Yeah, but like I do think the next thing... earlier on. Yeah, I mean, do we don't, and there's no context for that yet, is there? But but for him, like the 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 best of Super Juniors year and the year did the G one the same year, which is what 2019. 
I don't think, I think that's, for me, I could be wrong about this in the future. I think that's the best version of Osprey where he's a heavyweight, but he's still got enough flashy moves in there. Um, and I think I, I, I'd, I'd find it difficult, but who, who knows really? But yeah, I, I think it, it depends on experience and, and what your body's had to suffer, I suppose. And, and my final point was just going to be, completely right there. The, and the reason you gave, you gave a decent rating is because I put down, this is the Steve Darby. Mm. Uh, Brett v Savage. So two questions. Both take your take your love of them out. What you know of them both when they're in their prime. When they're in their prime, that's why I asked the prime question first. Yeah. Who wins? Who wins when they're both in their prime? <laughs> Are we talking about real fight again? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, you know, wrestling. And question two. Who wins? Who are you cheering because you? They're both. They're both at their. Oh, that's at a their, tough their, one. Question one, who wins when they're both in their prime? Question two, when they're in their prime of being your favourite, who are you cheering? Wow. Um, I think if this is if this is 1988, Randy Savage, world champion with Elizabeth, I'm cheering Randy Savage versus Bret Hart. As, as uh, though I absolutely but versus, love Bret But versus Hart. what's your favourite version of Bret Hart? Uh, let's say, I mean, any, anything. And I mean, this is what I mean. Okay, yeah, so, I, any, so that, so that, that version of Matcha Man is beating is if your for your favourite wise. Yeah, I mean, I, so I, then, I love. Are I love you Bret's, saying that's also? Oh, sorry, sorry, are you saying that's also Macho Man at his best as well? Uh, Macho Man's best was probably pre WWF in terms of in ring. Um, but he, I know, so early I, in his I, WWF. I, I thought you would say. I thought you would say. Both in their primes, what they would consider their primes, I think you'd say that Brett is the better wrestler. Oh, yeah, 100%. But I, yeah. So he would beat him in his prime, but I I thought you might say Savage. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how interesting yeah. this is. I think the thing with Savage is, and, and again, I'm going more on what people have said than what stuff I've seen, but my understanding is that Savage was an incredible wrestler pre when he joined in, what, 85, 86. I mean, crikey, he was still really phenomenal, but... WWF wasn't a work rate promotion. It's not like anyone was want, anyone was really wanting Savage to go out there and have you know thirty minute classics with people every night. That wasn't really what the promotion was all about. I think he proved with with um, you know with Steamboat WrestleMania three, you know one of the more famous matches, probably the best WWF match of the eighties. I would have thought. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. Um, and obviously later with people like Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania seven. I mean, he crikey, he brought an absolute classic out of him. Flair at the at the the WrestleMania the year after. Some of his matches with Diamond Dallas Page a year before this in WCW were really good when he was what forty five. So Savage was very very good, but Brett's a yeah step above, I would say. Yeah. Anyway, so a massive side there, but I just like asking you questions on this because you normally host the show, so you know <laughs> it, 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 I, I quite enjoy asking hearing your opinion. Shall we go on to the main event now? So the main um, event, main event out- two, I think they they build it. Yeah. Out. So this is Outsiders versus Sting and the Giant for the WCW World Tag Team Titles. The Outsiders um, were, you know, NWO Wolfpack were out with their th- with the, the NWO theme, and they were out with Dusty Rhodes, and they were super over with this Worcester crowd. Hall did his pre-match survey with the crowd overwhelmingly on their side, and then the Giant part of NWO Hollywood came out, and the NWO music played again. But I did wonder whether this was overdubbed over possibly over Hogan's Voodoo Child music, um, the Jimi Hendrix song, given it it didn't make a lot of sense for both NWO factions to have the same music, but I could be wrong about that. Again, answers on a postcard. Um, Sting got an underwhelming reaction from this crowd, perhaps not a surprise given how he'd been booked in the previous six months. Buffer called uh, him wrestling's man a few words. 
And Shivani said the crowd didn't know how to react to this one with seemingly the heel Big Show, or Big Show, crocky, the giant teaming with Babyface Sting versus Babyface Wolfpack. The crowd did a let's a big let's go Wolfpack chant, but it didn't sustain for very long. And they were back to being largely silent. And I thought this was a bang average match that ended in a typically awful WCW way. After fighting the whole match against the team of Sting and the Giant, Scott Hall turned on Kevin Nash by blasting the championship belt and the referee's back was turned. The Giant then made the pin and he and Hall celebrated together. Sting was given one of the title belts and stood on the ring apron and looked bemused. Um, if you want to see just how bad WCW booking was in 1998, watch the end of this, this pay-per-view, see the most overact on the pay-per-view and see that, you know, one half of that was turn heel completely nonsensically. Um, what did you think of this main event, which I would give a firm skip to? Um, so, so Dusty Rhodes come out. So he's in the NWO as well now, is it? Yes. What, what I'm trying to make here is just like, that's going back to the end. Who ain't? Yeah, um, yeah. So I always think like Paul White being called the Giant was a big call given like Andre the Giant. I was fine. Well, he was first guy. pushed as his son, but they dropped that. Quickly. Oh wow! Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, so you've got the NWO doing the old two suite, which we're seeing a lot more now, and what you see with the Bullet Club, etc. Um, obviously, find that quite weird that NWO do it and the Bullet Club do it. But I'm assuming it's a it's a, a nod to NWO, is it? That yeah, it was a. So that, I think they started doing it as a joke. I think Bullet Club. Like, yeah, yeah, that's why yeah, I go. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Um, this whole, to be honest, going back to we talked about Vince McMahon. This whole is he going to show the whole? That they talk quite a lot through the program about whether Scott Hall was going to turn up. Yeah, they do this a lot in these things. Oh, is someone going to show or not? Oh, they always. And then, and then the thing is with this one: is he going to show? Is he going to show? I was like, oh, here we go. He's going to turn up like during the match. He just turned up right at the start, walked in with <laughs> yeah. it. It's not like even like you had, any, there was no doubt. It's like that, there yeah. wasn't even any cliffhanger for it. it was Why like, am I buying oh, a pay per view? And I don't know if one of the guys in the main event's going to be there. Yeah. But also, I, mean, I thought it might start and Hall weren't there. And it's like a two on one and he rocks yeah. up at the end. Oh, he just come out with him. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, I mean, Sting looked absolutely bemused by what was going on. He did, didn't he? Um, yeah. The start of the fight was just literally them all looking at each other, a bit of a, I couldn't word it other than a bit of a dick slinging contest. <laughs> um, just as a side, I, I was quite, you mentioned, you, you, you accidentally said Big Show there. I was quite a fan of the Big Show when he turned up at WWE. Oh, God. <laughs> when he turned up, I actually liked him. I did, and I thought he served a very good purpose. I thought it was a better cane. Well, uh, yeah, they mess him about a lot. I didn't mind him. And I knew that, you know, I don't want to go into it because I know you would end up giving me a load of facts that would put me down. But, no. um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sting, Sting just looked back. Again, they made a thing about Sting, like T-shirt gate, I called it, you know, him being in a T-shirt in the lead up. But they didn't do one of these maps. This is where they could have done a video before. Yeah, yeah. This is what's happened over the past however many times. Yeah. Because, I could, look, that ending was like, okay, what? I struggle with it because there's no video. There was no context for me. So it just looked like, oh, what? So another put. That's how I used to view WCW. Constant people turning on each other and joining NWO. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how I viewed it. The fans, I thought, seemed to like that little bit. A little bit. And I, I, I'd imagine, again, if you were there at the time, you'd followed the storyline. That might have been a big thing if you were well into WCW. But I was just like, what is this? I mean, and then and then during the match as well, I just talking about some of the basic 
you got Kevin Nash applying the bear hug, which I saw someone tweet um, this week to say, you don't really see the bear hug anymore. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, Agree. You know, big, show, big show goes up to the top right. Probably going to miss it. If you are over six foot five, you're <laughs> not hitting anything splash, from there. Yeah. You're um, for a splash. Yeah, you're not hitting anything. Yeah. Should have hit a frog splash. Um, so, yeah, just, I mean, I didn't put skip. I put it was all right. And only because I put it was all right because I think if you, I'm again watching this with a no background. Mm. And the ending, the crowd seemed to buy. I looked at the ending again, as I said, and said, oh, shock horror. Someone's turned in NWO. Blah, 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 blah. They're in one of the factions. It's, it's like the reason they set up two NWOs is like, well, hang on a minute. We've got everyone in NWO, but how is he meant to turn on him? We don't want to kick him out of NWO. Make another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you make a different thing? No, just make a different NWO. Makes no sense. That makes no sense anyway. I mean, one, one, one faction with two sub things. You're mm. two different things. You're two different things. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree. It literally made me go... I haven't watched the whole thing, and I, you know, anyone listen about, I think I've been fairly positive, but it did make me go at the end. I just went, <laughs> and that's why I didn't watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Melt, what it did for me. Yeah, I mean, Meltzer gave this match zero stars and gave some more. Info that's a little laugh. I wouldn't agree. I, I wouldn't agree. I, I just think if you if you're turning, if you're turning. So if you okay, so what I think about babyface and heel turns, heel turns especially, you don't ever turn a babyface heel unless the crowd is uh, like, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack slightly because I don't think the crowd was necessarily ready for Randy Savage to turn in um, in 1989, uh, but that might be one of the exceptions to the rule. I think, and there's probably other other exceptions, but generally speaking, don't turn the babyface heel if the crowd is still massively behind that baby face, turn a baby face heel like John Cena or Roman Reigns and the crowd is not reacting the way that you want them to, then they'll add their heel run and before too long, the crowd will probably start cheering them. And I'm sure that will probably happen to Roman Reigns at some point in the next 18 months when crowds are back. This was just the wrong move. And Melt said before the show, both Hall and Nash were heavily lobbying Bischoff to change his mind on the Hall turn, citing that in recent weeks, both Bret Hart and Giant had turned and that another two turns, Hall and Dusty Rhodes at this point, when fans were almost numb to hotshot turns, probably would leave everyone flat, which, as it turned out, was a correct prediction. In addition, the timing of the turn made virtually no sense since Hall was scheduled to go into rehab after Nitro, this time for real. So he'll be again unavailable for four to six weeks. Hall and Nash eventually agreed to turn because ultimately Bischoff wouldn't budge and they weren't going to breach their contracts but insisted that when Hall returns, the two are still going to travel together and hang out together away from the building, even though they'll be feuding. This show, um, which could be considered a B-level WCW pay-per-view, did 275,000 buys on pay-per-view, which was in line with the previous month's spring stampede. And I believe it, believe it or not, this pay-per-view buy rate was slightly up on the previous year. And I don't believe too many of those who purchased would have been happy customers at the end of the night. Um, I feel like I should apologise again on, because on paper, this, this looked like a, it was going to be a decent show. But the reality was that it very much wasn't. Um, I'm going three out of ten on this. Um, what would be your mark out of ten? For Slamboree 1998. I've done four. Four out of ten. So we haven't quite matched this time. Have you got any final thoughts on this before we uh, get the My only final thoughts, um, you sort of alluded to there, is this this is the 12th one. So we've done a year of these. Um, Yes. And I was just going to ask you, what's been your 
your favourite one. And, and and the reason I say that, I'm going to just read them out now, is it's a quite a depressing list, actually, because <laughs> you were able to pick six. So so we had NWA Clash of Champions 11, 1990. Is that the first one? Yeah, WF, I've yeah. got them in order. WF Invasion 2001. Yeah. SummerSlam 1990. Anarchy Rules 99. Bound for Glory 2010. The Montreal Screwdrop Rule. I'm not including that. No, that's a different sort of. Okay. More of an audio documentary, that yeah. one. This Tuesday in Texas 91. Bunkhouse Stampede 88. Revolution 2020. Uncensored 95. Starcade <laughs> 91. And Slambury 98. Starcade in the Tokyo Dome, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, now, for me, my favourite show to watch was Revolution, but but to review, because it was quite fresh still, I liked reviewing it, but I think I quite enjoy going back uh, yeah. and, 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 and watching some of them. Um, so I think I would probably say, I'd start, I'd probably say SummerSlam 90 maybe. Yeah, I did enjoy that. The three that stick out are Starcade in the Tokyo Dome, this Tuesday in Texas and um, SummerSlam 90, are they? Yeah. 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 Uh, which, yeah. just to clarify everybody, <clears throat> all mine. Were they all your picks, those ones? What? Well, that, yeah, no, I, I think, think they might. I, I think no, SummerSlam no, 90 might have been SummerSlam 90. Yeah, I think yeah. you picked SummerSlam yeah. 90. It's the same and great. So that leads me on to, obviously, next month. I'm, 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 I'm Yes, I'm what is your pick for June? Beach Blast. Beach Blast uh, 1992. Yeah. And to put some clarity around it, I know nothing about it, but I saw that Dr. Death Steve Williams was in the main event. And as we've said on this sometimes before, when there's a Mid-South person in it, you have that little bit of, go on then, here we go. And, and, as, and as Steve went out to me um, for the show, um, Bill Watts was working on that on that, on that as well. So yes. it's got a lot of Mid-South links, which is why I, I, I'm keen to, keen to have a watch. Yeah, this was one of the first major events held after Bill Watts had been put in charge of WCW. Uh, and this was main evented by the Steiner brothers versus Terry Gordy and Steve Williams. Um, and it also featured a 30-minute ma- Ironman match between Rick Steamboat and Rick Rude. And also Sting versus Cactus Jack. So we'll look forward to that next month. Um, Dan, where can people find you online? Uh, at Dan PFFC, as always. Good stuff. Thank you all for listening. And we shall speak to you all again very soon. Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out. All the products. That's on redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com. People, Mid-South moments thanks very much ricky and that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid south moments